Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 14th of November, year of our Lord, 2019. And excuse the delay, um, and excuse my phone. My phone's going to have to be on today. The wife is on the road, so for safety purposes, we're going to hear a little Christmas ringtone annoy the hell out of us. But we got to do it. But long story short, I got um, an infection. And I usually would not bring this up on a podcast because really it's disgusting and nobody really cares. But because of what it was, I probably should have gone a lot sooner. So we're going to talk, if you're a male out there, if you're a female, just going fast forward because you probably don't want to hear about this. But as a male, we all have our hangups. Um by my podcast, it may seem that I'm homophobic because I do bash on transgenders and things like that, but um, I really do mean when I say it, I could give a fuck what you do, what you suck, whatever you do. It's your world, man. Uh, I think the premise of my podcast is we in flyover country don't really require people to live a certain way. The media and Democrats will spend most of their time trying to articulate that you Christian zealots or blah, 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 and conservatives, as we'll hear on a soundbite today, have um, taken the country so far to the right, they're the extremists, when the actual opposite is true. Most of us live with the live or let live theory on life, and we really don't care. We just push back when people push us. And tell us how we have to live and how many pronouns we have to use. And uh, my wife has to take a dump next to a dude in a dress with a camera. You know, all the things we've talked about on this show. But, to the point, most of us don't really think about prostates. We don't think about getting checked. We don't think of any of that stuff. So, about two weeks ago, I started having problems urinating. And I am 52, so it's quite common to have an enlarged prostate at my age, but I blew it off. And so by the time I went to the doctor on Tuesday, um, I f- was having a hell of a time. I felt like I had to go to the bathroom every 2.3 seconds. It was miserable. I couldn't sleep. If I could urinate, it really wasn't happening. It was bad. So by the time I went and got a doctor and got a urine test and screened and unfortunately had the finger check, I had what's called prostatitis, and it's an infection in your prostate. There is no real reason for it. It isn't because I'm not having a lot of sex. It isn't because I'm nasty or dirty. It just happens at this age. But I shouldn't have waited two weeks because if you... Check out prostatitis and prostate cancer. My friends, the symptoms are identical. So I did get a PSA test. It was negative. Um, and I would urge all of you in your 50s, don't sit on it. Go get checked. Uh, 
nobody likes somebody putting a dipstick in you. I'm, I'm sure uh, it's the only second time it's ever happened, and I feel violated every time it happens, and it really hurts if you have um, an infection like I do. It is not an enjoyable experience. But at least I have the peace of mind, and I have the antibiotics now, and I'm starting to be normal. Um, so I should have done it, didn't, and thus I didn't feel like making podcasts. I didn't feel like walking down the stairs to record the podcast. I was not podcasting. All I wanted to do was pee. That was it. Um, and I, I couldn't do that. So um, I urge everybody, get your checks. If you're in your 50s, get your... Get your PSA test. Um, once again, prostate cancer is totally survivable. So even though initially they don't think it's cancer, but my whites counts are really high because I had an infection, in six weeks I'm going back for another check um, just to ensure. Because if I do have it, well, they just remove the prostate. Granted, I'm not going to have morning wood anymore. That's going to kind of suck. It does kind of take away your sex life and sex drive. Um, but I'd rather not have a morning wood than die. And that's the unfortunate thing about prostate cancer. People don't get checked and then it metastasizes and it's all in your body because, once again, it's like a gland. And moves everywhere. And you get it all over your body and then you die from a simple disease that just took a urine test, a finger check, and a blood test. That's all it takes. So I hate to sound like a more you know commercial on the dreaded national broadcasting company. But um, this kind of taught me a lesson. I should have just gone. I don't know why I didn't. But I just should have. So today we're going to do some impeachment, some new social media nuggets. We're going to start with some violent left to get us going. Um, I do have some good sound bites from yesterday. Uh, I'm not going to delve into everything everybody said in these hearings. Um, I truly believe this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And that's not because I support Trump, because I really don't. I support his policies, but I think he's highly unprofessional. This would never fly. Uh, that's all I have to say. It just wouldn't fly if there was a D behind his name. If for any time during the Obama administration when there was real criminal activity, Fast and Fur Furious, Benghazi, um, the IRS, remember our media said it was all horseshit, but it had it gone to impeachment trial. Mm. It just wouldn't, it it wouldn't fly. And I think the New York Post sums it up great, but we'll wait till we get to that. So let's violent left. Police don't win. And I said, baby, they don't. Because we're going to go in there, we're going to impeach them all. The biggest terror threat in this country is white men. Most of them radicalized right up to the right. All punches are not equal morally. Fuck your motherfucking wife, 
the tranny beating up an old person on a subway didn't seem to be that big a deal to these people sure the hell didn't make the news because remember we're still pushing the trannies all 18 of them are on this huge fucking killing spree they're just hetero cis normative people killing trannies everywhere and that's clearly not the truth We start with Scott Walker. This morning I got an email from Twitter saying they received complaints from this tweet. Merry Christmas. His tweet? This is a Christmas tree that is used by people celebrating Christmas. This is not a holiday tree. Twitter literally told them that it was offensive. So, once again, um, it, it doesn't matter what form of media, they are all on board. Then we have a VIP from the website I use called Twitchy to get some of my stories on the TDS doozies of the week. Rob Reiner, who's in stage five TDS, President of the United States, engaged in bribery and extortion of a foreign country for his own personal gain, and the GOP is fine with that. Look at this nonsense. He's wrong, of course, but that didn't stop nearly 54K other unhinged anti-Trump hyenas from liking the tweet. Here's another from Meathead. It takes a special kind of sociopath to blatantly and continually spew bald-faced lies. When facing a mountain of criminal criminality and impeachment, the psychopathy intensifies. Trump knows he's committing extortion and bribery. His desperation is pathetic. Trump bribed, Trump extorted. And, yeah, none of that's true. This is normal foreign policy. Obama did it all the time. We had no problem with it. Bent Midler. Best quote of the week, let's stop using the Latin quid pro quo and start calling what it really is, bribery and extortion. If anyone knows about, about bribery and extortion, it's the left. We couldn't have a list of unhinged and annoying without Mr. Kelly and Conway. That was a reply. George Conway, to the members of Congress, public officials, and talking heads still defending real Donald Trump, just stop. Especially the lying. He has no defense. Don't go down with him in history and disgrace. The sooner we get this over, and he's gone, the better off it'll be. And, of course, we'll go off to Pence. Bradley Whitford from the West Wing. 
We show our respect for the office of President of the United States by denouncing the man who's desecrating it. Really. Brooklyn Dad, defiant, savage, eloquent, intelligent, thoughtful. Hillary Clinton explains why Trump's Ukraine call was so wrong and even suggests how he could have had a perfect call. Yeah. Hmm. Tom Nichols, who has stage 12 TDS. The name-calling toddler is defended by an entire American political party and an institution from top to bottom who wants you to give him four more years of sole control of, new two, of nearly 2,000 nuclear weapons. Yeah, we're going back to the nuclear stuff. Tom Arnold. Notice how everyone loses when Trump shows up at their event? That's how GD boos. And we'll, we'll cover that, the Bama game. Ron Perlman. New reporting reveals a scumbag knowing his time in office is centimeters from crashing has already identified a return to TV. His next effort in blinking, bilking the public, for which many other TV scumbags will welcome him with open arms because scumbags. And Ron Perlman, you would know a scumbag you are. Adam Schiff, first Republican object to private depositions, even though almost 50 of their members could attend. Now they don't want a public hearing. The only constituency they don't want the American people to learn the truth about the president's serious misconduct from the guy who held it behind closed door. Deborah Messing, impeach Trump, Trump extortionist, betrayal, do our allies, Trump crime family. From Jim Scudo from CNN, of course. Not to be missed, Kent's testimony is the most damning language we've heard so far. Trump's clear political intentions on Ukraine. POTUS wanted nothing less than President Zelensky to go on a microphone and say, investigate Biden and Clinton. Hmm. Tom Podansky, if God really loved Trump, he wouldn't give sports fan the boo of lose ultimatum. Hmm. Palmer Report. Donald Trump's day so far still hasn't tweeted anything. Maybe he fell down a well. Trump goon arrested for stabbing baby Trump balloon. Triggered snowflakes couldn't deal with a balloon. 48 hours TV impeachment hearings. Trump is going to prison. It's still only 10 a.m. Somebody's response. Palmer's report day so far. Putting his turns to mate derangement syndrome on full display. It's only 11 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Then there was a black voter event for Trump. I'll play the soundbite in a second. This is a Washington Post reporter. And other... Blue check reporters. Sung Min Kim, a mega hat, a mega mega hat at Black Voices for Trump launch. Extremely large mega hat spotted at the Trump campaign launch at Black Voices for Trump. Byron Bryson Gray drove down from Greensboro, North Carolina, to attempt Trump's event in Atlanta. I support Trump 2020, and any way I can help him, I will. We have one of the best economies we've ever had, he says. He says he once was a Bernie bro and was influenced by friends who said Trump was a racist. Kept doing research, and I figured what Trump said made sense, he added. And he was one of the people selected for Trump's little competition, the best mega person. But understand, simultaneously, we have Kimberly Klesik running for office against Cummings seat. She's black. One of her tweets. I never knew I had all these special powers. I announced I want to make neglected neighborhoods in Baltimore as nice as the rest of the city, and that somehow makes me a bad person. New York Post. GOP activist Kimberly Clack running for Elijah Cummings seats after turning Trump on him. So she she is already getting the business. Because, once again, there's there's nothing worse to Democrats 
than a Trump supporter than to somebody that's supposed to blindly be a sheep and follow them, that being minority support. Here are some of those minority support. CNN actually aired one of these segments. Well, the three of you told me that you voted for the president in 2016. You're supporters of his. Why do you like him so much, and what policies stand out to you that you support? I would say mainly just the no-nonsense policies, and especially since Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. That's awesome, yeah. It's totally perfect. Just wait and see it. Turning back. My name is Jermaine Enoch. I'm from Palos Springs, Georgia. I'm a Trump supporter because Trump... um, is a businessman and he gets results and I believe in him from the first time and I worked for him during the first campaign. And one of the things I noticed prior to him becoming president, that I noticed that years ago he was a businessman and he was able to get results and that's one of the reasons why I voted for him because as a man he gets results in all areas, for job, for business, and for family. And I, and I love Trump and I will stand with him. I don't think he's been treated. No, 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 I don't. Why? I don't. Because when the man tried to help the country and you still are trying to find a situation to throw out his character to help the country, it's kind of begging for because ain't no perfect president. So everybody got their claws. But I think you've been tr- treated unfairly. Can I ask what you think of all the impeachment stuff that's going on in Washington? Uh, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's unfair. And I wish they would focus on getting stuff done instead of harassing the president i start with a tranny beating up an old person on a subway didn't seem to be that big a deal to these people sure the hell didn't make the news because remember we're still pushing the trannies all 18 of them are on this huge fucking killing spree they're just hetero cisnormative people killing trannies everywhere and that's clearly not the truth We start with Scott Walker. This morning I got an email from Twitter saying they received complaints from this tweet. Merry Christmas. His tweet? This is a Christmas tree that is used by people celebrating Christmas. This is not a holiday tree. Twitter literally told them that it was offensive. So, once again, um, it, it doesn't matter what form of media, they are all on board. Then we have a VIP from the website I use called Twitchy to get some of my stories on the TDS doozies of the week. Rob Reiner, who's in stage five TDS, President of the United States, engaged in bribery and extortion of a foreign country for his own personal gain, and the GOP is fine with that. Look at this nonsense. He's wrong, of course, but that didn't stop nearly 54K other unhinged anti-Trump hyenas from liking the tweet. Here's another from Meathead. It takes a special kind of sociopath to blatantly and continually spew bald-faced lies. When facing a mountain of criminal criminality and impeachment, the psychopathy intensifies. Trump knows he's committing extortion and bribery. His desperation is pathetic. Trump bribed, Trump extorted. And, yeah, none of that's true. This is normal foreign policy. Obama did it all the time. We had no problem with it. Bet Midler. Best quote of the week, let's stop using the Latin quid pro quo and start calling what it really is, bribery and extortion. If anyone knows about, about bribery and extortion, it's the left. We couldn't have a list of unhinged and annoying without Mr. Kelly and Conway. That was a reply. 
George Conway, to the members of Congress, public officials, and talking heads still defending real Donald Trump, just stop, especially the lying. He has no defense. Don't go down with him in history and disgrace. The sooner we get this over, and he's gone, the better off it'll be. And, of course, we'll go after Pence. Bradley Whitford from the West Wing. We show our respect for the office of President of the United States by denouncing the man who's desecrating it. Really. Brooklyn Dad, defiant, savage, eloquent, intelligent, thoughtful. Hillary Clinton explains why Trump's Ukraine call was so wrong and even suggests how he could have had a perfect call. Yeah. Hmm. Tom Nichols, who has stage 12 TDS. The name-calling toddler is defended by an entire American political party and an institution from top to bottom who wants you to give him four more years of sole control of, new two, of nearly 2,000 nuclear weapons. Yeah, we're going back to the nuclear stuff. Tom Arnold. Notice how everyone loses when Trump shows up at their event? That's how GD boos. And we'll, we'll cover that, the Bama game. Ron Perlman. New reporting reveals a scumbag knowing his time in office is centimeters from crashing has already identified a return to TV as the next effort in blinking, bilking the public, for which many other TV scumbags will welcome him with open arms because scumbags. And Ron Perlman, you would know a scumbag you are. Adam Schiff, first Republican object to private depositions, even though almost 50 of their members could attend. Now they don't want a public hearing. The only constituency they don't want the American people to learn the truth about the president's serious misconduct from the guy who held it behind closed door. Deborah Messing, impeach Trump, Trump extortionist, betrayal, do our allies, Trump crime family. From Jim Scudo from... Yeah, CNN, of course. Not to be missed, Kent's testimony is the most damning language we've heard so far. Trump's clear political intentions on Ukraine. POTUS wanted nothing less than President Zelensky to go on a microphone and say, investigate Biden and Clinton. Hmm. Tom Podansky. If God really loved Trump, he wouldn't give sports fan the boo of lose ultimatum. Hmm. Palmer Report. Donald Trump's day so far still hasn't tweeted anything. Maybe he fell down a well. Trump goon arrested for stabbing baby Trump balloon. Triggered snowflakes couldn't deal with the balloon. 48 hours TV impeachment hearings. Trump is going to prison. It's still only 10 a.m. Somebody's response. Palmer's report day so far. Putting his turns to mate derangement syndrome on full display. It's only 11 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Then there was a black voter event for Trump. I'll play the soundbite in a second. This is a Washington Post reporter and other blue check reporters. Sung Min Kim, a mega hat, a mega mega hat at Black Voices for Trump launch, extremely large mega hat spotted at the Trump campaign launch at Black Voices for Trump. Byron Bryson Gray drove down from Greensboro, North Carolina to attempt Trump's event in Atlanta. I support Trump 2020 and any way I can help him, I will. We have one of the best economies we've ever had, he says. He says he once was a Bernie bro and was influenced by friends who said Trump was a racist. Kept doing research and I figured what Trump said made sense, he added. And he was one of the people selected for Trump's little competition, the best mega person. But understand, simultaneously, we have Kimberly Klesik running for office against Cummings' seat. She's black. One of her tweets. 
I never knew I had all these special powers. I announced I want to make neglected neighborhoods in Baltimore as nice as the rest of the city, and that somehow makes me a bad person. New York Post. GOP activist Kimberly Clack running for Elijah Cummings seats after turning Trump on him. So she she is already getting the business because once again there's there's nothing worse to Democrats than a Trump supporter than to somebody that's supposed to blindly be a sheep and follow them that being minority support. Here are some of those minority support. CNN actually aired one of these segments. Well, the three of you told me you voted for the president in 2016. You're supporters of his. Why do you like him so much, and what policies stand out to you that you support? Well, I would say mainly just the no-nonsense policies, and especially since Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. That's awesome, yeah. It's totally perfect. Just a win, Sam. Turning back. My name is Jermaine Enoch. I'm from uh, Power Springs, Georgia. I'm a Trump supporter because Trump um, is a businessman and he gets results. And I believe in him from the first time I worked for him during the first campaign. And one of the things I noticed prior to him uh, becoming president, yeah, I noticed that years ago he was a businessman and he was able to get results. And that's one of the reasons why I voted for him because he's a man who gets results in all areas, for job, for business. For family, and I, and I love Trump, and I will stay with him. You don't think he's been treated? No, 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 I don't. I don't. Because when the man try to help the country, and you still are trying to find a situation to throw out his character to help the country, it's kind of begging for because ain't no perfect president. So everybody got their claws, but I think he's been tr- treated unfairly. Can I ask what you think of all the impeachment stuff that's going on in Washington? I think it's ridiculous. I think it's unfair, and I wish they would focus on getting stuff done instead of harassing the president. I mean, they had such a hard time. We're going to get to the football game. That one of those sound bites was from the football game. They can't believe black people would ever, ever support him because they told you he's a racist with no proof, but that they just say it. Because they construe this, or housing, or rent, or they, they got to come with something. Because remember, every Republican is a racist. That's how they scare minorities to vote for them. Because they don't have policies. Their policies will not help a single black person. Obama was president for eight years. He didn't do shit for him. Trump gets in office and his record unemployment. And a lot of them are starting to pay attention. I was going to play this later in the show, but here's Candace Owens. Pretty much saying what I'm saying. Black on black crime is something that our media tells us that we're not allowed to talk about. Over 93% of black homicide victims are killed by other black people. We are not supposed to be outraged and we're not told to remember the names of those victims. Because if we begin to focus on that area, something that is causing real harm and devastation to our communities, we might uncover the truth. And that's, the truth is that this is all by Democrat design. Our inner cities are all by Democrat design. Like Chicago, like Baltimore, and like Detroit. They have been run by Democrats for decades. We have been made to believe that the conditions in our cities are normal. We're supposed to turn a blind eye to the corruption, to the crime, to the gangs, and instead focus on what our media deems of more importance. 
We are instead told that we should be focusing on white people. We're supposed to be reactive and angry and fearful about white supremacy when in fact it is liberal supremacy that is harming our communities. I say this all the time. You show me a neighborhood where there are liberal policies that reign supreme and I will show you a neighborhood where black Americans are struggling in this country. It is in my opinion both socially and morally suicidal that we continue this pattern. Democrats have looked at us in the face and they have sold us worthlessness. They have told us that we cannot, that we need more government assistance, more handouts. We handed them power and in return, they further diminished our sense of pride, the most important thing that we had, our sense of pride. We allowed their government to victimize us through the expansion of welfare policies. We allowed them, most importantly, to remove the fathers from our homes, removing the backbone of our families. They knew, the Democrats knew, that without stable households, our children would pursue that paternity elsewhere. They knew that our children would run to the streets. They knew that our youth would grow up and begin to mirror themselves after rappers and basketball players rather than men of high intellect and values and more attainable goals. When you wake up as a black American and you realize the truth and you have the courage to speak out about it, the racist leftist media will attack you. CNN is a racist network, in my opinion. I've watched them over the past year sanction the violence of Antifa against black conservatives. They have referred to all of us last year in the same exact room. CNN referred to all of us as paid puppets. They said we were paid to be in this room. Because they cannot fathom that we would ever have the courage to stand up and to tell them no more. No more victim narrative, CNN. No more victim narrative, MSNBC. No more telling us that we cannot do something because of the color of our skin. No more fear politics. No more attempts to scare us into voting for you. No more lies. No more half-truths. It was Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, in 1991 who warned us against what the Democrats and the media would do to black people like us. This is what he said, quote, This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. And from my standpoint, as a black American, it is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves, to do for themselves, to have different ideas. And it is a message that unless you kowtow to an old order, this is what will happen to you. You will be lynched, you will be destroyed, you will be caricatured, rather than hung from a tree. How right was Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas in the treatment of black Americas today? It is a national disgrace. Once again, she's a black lady, so she can say those things. But most of us have said those while we were dealing with Obama and his, we have a serious problem with law enforcement going out and lynching black kids. 500 murders in Chicago? We couldn't talk about that. If you did, you were a racist. And and I think over time, only the totally brain-dead minorities are going to stick with Democrats and go, oh, we got to take care of them. I believe it. They are racist. Most of them, when you talk to them, 
They're starting to see. I've said it on the show a million times. They have forgotten about black people. They went past black people. They're all in for transgenders and Latina. They want the big voting block. The 12 million illegals. They think they can win every election and they just have those 12 million. The show TDS is just unbelievable. Ben Shapiro, this is the single greatest opinion piece of all time. The columnist suggests that Spicer's dancing is militaristic, betraying a cold brutality. And it's from the New York Times. Sean Spicer is a lousy dancer. In fact, he's a downright horrible dancer. The good news is that Spicer seems to have no problem living with the obvious defect. However, the fact that former White House press secretary remains on Dancing with the Stars has made New York Times dance critic Gia Gorlas into a state of extreme outrage. This was a column. What's terrible about this week's result is the competition included a dance-off. Mr. Spicer went up against Miss Flannery. She won, according to the judges, but Mr. Spicer remains on, and it's outrageous. But Mr. Spicer, the former White House press secretary and communication director of President Trump, is something worse, an untruthful dancer. He has revealed much about his soul, whether through his dancing, he hides behind an egregious smile, parting his teeth to make it look as though he's been caught mid-laugh. That smile seems meant to distract from his plan of attack, never actually performing a dance, but conquering it. Watching Mr. Spicer try to wipe away some of his disgrace through dance hurts, yet here he is, week after week, using dance as a way to redeem his character. Mr. Spicer's later performance has been scary in a different way, like his militaristic Paso Doble, which he had a cold brutality. Really? That's journalism. That's journalism. But to show how bad TDS is, cyclists who flipped off the president got elected. Looking forward to representing my friends and neighbors in Al Gorean District who backed me up today. So proud that you were able to. Thank you, Loudon. Is it the sweet justice, she asked? Her cackling suggested that she knew the answer to her own question. Need more pantsuits because Trump owns a golf course there. And then Melania Trump went to go visit some sick kids dying from cancer. And this is what she was greeted with. A journalist, medical professional, standing in solidarity at Boston Medical Center in protest of First Lady Melania Trump's visit. She was visiting the Cuddle Program. The Cuddle Program. They protested her visit. None of this would be tolerated under under Obama. Press Secretary, First Lady. It used to be it stopped at the candidate. Once again, we're down to the people. I got more examples of this podcast. It's the people who voted for him. Then, of course, the baby Trump was slashed. The Alabama man who did it said, I've never seen freaking liberals that upset about cutting up babies. And I thought it was just fucking classic. (laughs) 
It was a classic fucking line. But then, of course, we have the big one, which was Trump. Columbia Bugle. Alabama loves Donald Trump. Alabama and LSU fans welcome President Real Donald Trump, First Lady Melania Trump to Tuscaloosa. Sun Min Kim. Roaring cheers, chants the USA. Some booing and crowd shakes the red and white pom-poms as Trump's introduced a Bama-LSU game. There must have been about 50 fucking journalists saying, oh, there were boos too. There were boos. And then it went all ugly. I couldn't even get updates on the game without fucking people with severe TDS blowing up the threads. Mike Freeman at Bleacher Report, which I sent them an email asking, why can't we block writers? We can block other users. But every tweet he does, and he was the guy that those that have been with the show, on New Year's Day, I'm taking a dump. And a first tweet in my feed about the Packers is that Trump's a piece of shit. It got filtered in. Now, they've done a good job of stopping that now. But I was like, you're an idiot. And then all his people start attacking me. And there's actually responses that they, hey, that guy actually liked something by somebody that Trump liked. Like, I don't actually look up what Trump likes. I don't even follow Trump. I like the meme. And that meme was liked by Trump, I guess. So that's how bad they are. They doxed me, just some rando who said, why can't we stick to sports? But you can't. Because here's CNN, once again, at the Bama game. So the biggest matchup this weekend in college sports, you know, today's game between LSU and Alabama. There could be drama in the stands as well as on the field at the end of the day. And that's because President Trump is going to be there making his third appearance at a major sporting event in just two weeks. So Harry Enton is joining us now. And uh, Harry, you know, you got to wonder, the first two appearances, uh, you know, the World Series, and then he was at a mixed martial arts uh, contest, they didn't seem to go over that well. So what makes him think this is going to be better? Yeah, I know, right? Those did not go over particularly well. One of those was in New York City, and I can tell you, New York City, not exactly a big fan of the President of the United States. But here's the deal with college football. You know, one of the things that I did, which was really cool, I essentially looked at Google searches um, by uh, media markets. And then I compared those media markets to how President Trump did in the 2016 election. And what do you see there? You see, as the number of Google searches goes up searching for college football, President Trump's vote percentage goes higher. That is, college football fans tend to more likely be Republican than, say, the median voter. But more than that, you can go to the southern United States and you can say, okay, in the South, are you a college football fan or not? And we can break that down by Democrats, independents, and Republicans. And what do we see? Oh, well, here, this I think is very important. First, look in the South. 54% in the South are college football fans. That's much higher than it is in the Northeast. So Trump says, I'm going to go into that South. I know there's a lot of college football fans. I know I can be reaching out to them. And more than that, you can essentially say, okay, in the South, among those college football fans, what percentage of Republicans, Democrats, independents? And what do you see? 59% of Republicans in the South say that they are college football fans. So you can reach a ton of voters very, very quickly by going down to Alabama, especially Trump's base. Okay, so let me ask you this, Harry. What is there a gauge of how people how President Trump appeals 
specifically how he appeals to people in the Deep South, in the yeah, suburbs, I think this, Yeah, I, I think this is rather important, right? So there are numerous ways we can break this down. Uh, we could break it down by suburbs, rural, and um, urban areas. We can also look at particular states. And what do we see when we look down in the Deep South? We see that in the Deep South, in those suburbs, which there are a lot of voters in there, Trump's approval rating, very, very high, 57 percent. Of course, if you've been in the South, much of it is suburban areas. Those urban areas where Trump nearly isn't as popular, especially in the North, they make up a much lower percentage than the South. But even there, his approval rating is 48 percent. And in those rural areas, which there are a lot of in the South, Donald Trump's approval rating, 63 percent, very, very popular in the Deep South. Harry, what college you go to? I Well, this is very funny. I went to Dartmouth, but I actually grew up going to Columbia Lions football games with my father, who took me every weekend. They stink. They have won zero <laughs> national championships. Zero. Alabama's won double digits. The whole thing's insane. So college football to me is not necessarily a love affair, but you know what? I love rooting for my Columbia Lions, even if they stink. I, you know what I love about Harry Anton's hits? Your segments, we always learn something, a li- little tidbit about you. I like bit. that. Yeah. Just a little bit. A little honesty, bit. Honesty to a fault. Uh, I'm Harry an Anton, honest, folks. Good job is to both of you. You're both beautiful people. So are you. <laughs> Harry Anton, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, our next guest says that there is no coincidence that the president's becoming more interested in sporting events. She writes this, quote, Trump craves adoration, the kind of fawning reception he gets at his rallies, and he'd go to a tiddlywinks tournament if it means people will cheer and chant his name if it happens at a nationally televised event or will be captured on video that he can promote on Twitter, all the better, unquote. That's from Nancy Armour, sports columnist for USA Today. That was her writing. Nancy, thank you so much for being uh, with us. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, as I understand it, you were talking about the fact that he goes to these because it makes him relatable. Um, yes. What, how, how so? Just because he's attending a game? Yeah, I, I think all politicians, and President Trump is not unique in this, look for ways to connect with voters. And in this country where sports is, you know, we love sports. And so there is really no easier, better way to appear relatable, to appear electable, than by showing up at a sporting event. Um, there was a warning that went on, I know, uh, from Alabama, at least the university there, to the student government warning students against disruptive behavior during the game. Um, if they act out, apparently they're going to be quickly ejected. Do you expect that the reception at this Alabama LSU game is going to be different than, say, what the president got at the World Series? I, I do, and I think that's a, a large part of the reason that he's going to this game is because, you know, as, as your previous guests, guests have mentioned, he is still widely popular in Alabama. Um, he won the state by nearly 30%. Uh, his favorability rating in Alabama is higher than it is in any other state in the country. So this is a very friendly environment for him, and he's not, he, if he hears booze, they're going to be very few and far between. You certainly are not going to see the kind of reception he got at the World Series or even at the UFC fight last week, and that's what he's looking for, and I I don't think it's a coincidence that when he didn't find it that the, at the other two places that he he's going out to make sure that he finds it somewhere. But have, I mean, certainly there have been other presidents that have gone out to sporting events. Were, were their intentions similar? 
Yeah, I think that there's maybe not to to get the adoration that I think Trump is looking for, but in terms of appearing relatable, in terms of of connecting with with the country, yes. You know, we saw it with both Bushes were huge baseball fans, um, threw out first pitches, went to games. President Obama did the same thing, and you saw it with President Obama doing his brackets for the NCAA tournament. It's a way to connect with voters beyond just your policies and, and positions. Well, it'd be interesting to see where he's going to be sitting, whether he's sitting in some box seat or sitting out there on the bleachers with the fans. But, Nancy Armour, you make great points. We appreciate you coming on this morning. Literally, this would never happen under Obama. I mean, during that, we heard the first soundbite and then this soundbite. Black people literally said, I wish they just let him be. You know, he's trying to do stuff. I wish they would focus on getting stuff done instead of harassing the president. We get TDS, but what the fuck is this? And they couldn't do it, man. Kurt Bardella, according to the UN, Alabama has the worst poverty in a developed world. 15% of residents are illiterate. Six worth state in health care. That's real Donald Trump's America. And then facts got drug in by AG Conservative. This is not a UN report. It was a statement made by one idiot who works at the UN based on environmental degradation he saw on a tour of a poor neighbor in Alabama. Same 2003 study found 23% in California and 22% in New York. So that's way worse than 15 but what happens when you start with the conclusion only look for information that fits your preferred narrative? You find a stat or headline like 15% are illiterate and don't bother to even look up what the same study said about states you're trying to claim are better. Here are the results of the study for those interested. California and New York had the highest rates in the country. But that was the whole theme this weekend. It was all those inbreds. Now they're going to go fuck their sisters. I mean, that was the kind of shit people were saying. So once again, the tolerant left, who are always saying that we treat black people bad, gay people bad, even though there's more gays in the South than there is anywhere else, and they seem to like it, we're killing trannies, we're all white supremacists, the shit they can say on Twitter and nobody cares, you can't say that about anybody else. If you said it about a person of color, you would get suspended. But they say whatever they want. And as we'll do with the This is America today, and I I keep referring to it, the right has pulled the country far extreme right. No, the left is extreme. The hate for fellow Americans on the left is way worse than anything a Republican's ever said. Most conservatives could give two fucking shits. But our media... They couldn't help themselves. Media dredge up Watergate cover-up and comparing Trump, Nixon, and college football games. They did a story about 1969. One part of it, Alabama com Ben Flanagan, part of the members of the Student Civil Justice Coalition at the University of Alabama staged a sit-in at the school library Friday to protest Trump's visit. Protest organizers include Tory Jones, so the visit would put all of our student body at risk and that Trump brings with him a culture of systemic racism. We dare defend our rights against Donald Trump, a president who has used his position to violate the human rights of our fellow Alabamians because of their race, gender, sexuality, class, ethnicity, nationality, immigration status, or religion. And none of that's true. None. None. They just make it up. 
Just like the next article. Washington Post writer claims Republicans have a problem accepting election results. I'm not going to read it, but they, they actually have the balls to do it. The people that want to get rid of the Electoral College and the tweet, opinion, can Republicans relearn how to accept political outcomes they don't like? Are you fucking serious? See, this is that projection I talk about. They write articles like that and project it, and they think over time America will go, oh, it's the Republicans who have a problem with elections. It's not Hillary who is still touring like she's the president. I mean, if you think about it, that's the craziest thing about all this. Since the election in 2016, we're still hearing about the losing candidate. That's never happened in our history. Ever. They go away. The only time you heard about McCain is when Obama got the elections have consequences zinger and the, all the media was jerking off over it, how awesome the dear one was. But they have no they have no honor, they have no integrity. Here's Brooke Baldwin losing her shit on CNN. We've come to expect intense partisanship at Trump rallies, but last night in Louisiana, that partisanship took a nasty personal turn. And the person spouting the insults was not the president. It was Louisiana Senator John Kennedy. And you know what our Democratic friends have done for him? (laughs) Speaker Nancy Pelosi is trying to impeach him. disrespect, but it must suck to be that dumb. It's not just what he said. Listen to the cheers. So that young boy in between the two of them, standing behind them, I think we all know uh, we're really living in, in partisan times, but this is a sitting U.S. senator disrespecting the Speaker of the House, the person who is third in line to the presidency, and the most powerful woman in our government. Mr. Senator, you don't have to agree with Speaker Pelosi, but you should respect her. We saw the other day Rand Paul at a rally, very similar, playing to Donald Trump standing beside him, playing to this Trumpian crowd, calling for the media to unmask the whistleblower. And here you have a a U.S. Senator uh, you know, not to be disrespectful, of course, but calling Nancy Pelosi dumb. And he was really just, it was a caricature of a demagogic populist politician. It was like Huey Law. Now, remember, this is the lady that went on a, a tirade about this is America 2019 over a fake hate crime. But here's just a few of what she's done. Go back to 2018, Baldwin laughed at Anna Navarro bash Ron DeSantis ahead of Election Day as Trump's parasitic twin. And two months later, she shrugged off threats to the lives of Covington student. Baldwin and assorted guests also had plenty of harsh words with the president. In March, Jim Acosta told her that the president is spreading a virus against the press. In January, Baldwin herself called Trump childish, while Gloria Borger described him as cranky. 
Here's a few more. September 25th, 2018. What? CNN, MSNBC compare Brett Kavanaugh to Bill Cosby. August 28th, CNN worships working mom Stormy Daniels in Vogue being Trump's perfect adversary. February 6th, 2018. CNN, Kareem melts down, claims Trump believes every immigrant country is a killer. June 24, 2017. Montel Williams, GOP would send $140 million to death with health plan. February 21st, 2017. CNN, allows left-wing guests to accuse Trump of creating cancer and anti-Semitism. What else can we go off on? How many other things? We're all racist, we're all terrorists. And how many times has Mitch McConnell been disgraced, talked poorly about? Oh, Brooke Baldwin's because she's a female, right? Yeah, it's it, it's a female. But they can't help themselves. L.A. Times, stock, stocks stumble to more records. That's their headline for good stocks. 10,000 retweets over bogus anti-Trump. Edward Lucci, Trump is the stupidest, the most incompetent negotiator we've ever encountered, says Long Young Too, Chinese China's former chief trade negotiator. We want Trump to be reelected. Always helpful to point out an emperor's nakedness. Nakedness, but as was pointed out to him hours ago, the quote isn't in the article. This quote isn't even in the article. His correction has not even seen 200 retweets. Correction, Emia Culpa. The first part of the quote was removed. It was a third-party characterization of what Yang said. Original tweet, 7,400 retweets. Correction, 141. That's a Financial Time National Editor. They all do it. But here's a make block of TDS. Joy Reid explaining impeachment for Trump voters, because we're all stupid. She also said Harris is failing because of white people in the media. Brokaw remembering the beautiful face of socialism because they're always on the wrong side. CBS chiding voters for not going with liberal bent on the, they're going to their preferred media. And that's wrong because we should just listen to the liberal media. CNN lauding Facebook for doing a 1984 scrubbing of anybody who says, the guy who's a whistleblower. Yeah, they actually did that. Madam Secretary saying that listening to conservatives is a gateway drug for white nationalism. Yeah. Media jerking off to another Trump-hating anonymous book. And finally, a GOP senator is retiring. Chris Hayes goes into, he was always an anti-Semite. But Chris Hayes protects Ilian Omar, a real anti-Semite. We are just over two weeks away from one of the most beloved American food holidays, Thanksgiving, where problematic actual history meets delicious cuisine. And many of you will soon be heading home to spend time with family and friends, eat a little too much, and perhaps engage in a dreaded, contentious political debate with your cranky Uncle Roscoe when he starts yelling, read the transcript at the dinner table between bites of turkey and pumpkin pie. But fear not. We here at AM Joy are going to help you get through it all by telling you everything you need to understand about impeachment so that you can easily explain to Uncle Roscoe and Auntie Carol before you all settle in to yell at each other about football. But here's a hint. 
do not worry about trying to explain the cast of characters or the way or the very overused term quid pro quo. Most people can't say it, spell it, or understand it. What we're actually talking about here is not a pithy Latin phrase. It's something a lot simpler. Bribery and extortion. That's it. This is a case of presidential-level bribery and extortion. And beyond the whistleblower and over 100 hours of testimony backing up that fact, Donald Trump admitted to it and even released edited notes from his call with the Ukrainian president, which, by the way, is not a transcript, that actually prove he did it. Even Uncle Roscoe and Auntie Carol ought to understand that. You know, there's a, a thing that you say you should never blame the voters. It's always, you know, the candidate's fault. I'm going to take a step away from that and say, no, we can blame the voters. When <laughs> Senator Harris went on uh, The Breakfast Club and had that interview with Charlemagne the God and DJ Envy, yeah. she talked about policy. She talked about her Lyft Act. She talked about her record as a prosecutor. What came out of that interview on, on the blogs and, you know, the chatters at barbershops and beauty salons and, you know, book clubs discussion was, did she really smoke weed and who was she listening to and Snoop's album didn't come out to later who gives a crap you know like we have a crazy person in the white house let's focus on the substance of what she's talking about so i think you know the campaign probably could have done some different things going up to secure a home first to secure that black base you should never assume mm -hmm. that black people are with you because you're the black candidate but they've been doing a lot of work and they have not gotten the recognition in the media and i think that's largely because you might have a newsroom full of diverse people but when you get to the editorial decision makers and most cable news outlets they are not very diverse and I think that reflects uh, in the coverage, unfortunately. Today, in a unified Germany, people are still coming to terms with what was learned and what was lost that night. You were such a public person. One who knows better than most, Katarina Witt, two-time Olympic figure skating gold medalist and the biggest star East Germany ever produced. She was famously called the most beautiful face of socialism. It was a kind of duty to do well because I knew my country paid for my sport, so I felt obligated to give back the right performance and to give back my gold medals, you know, to come back home. But when the wall fell a year later, being that beautiful face of socialism became something of a liability. You become famous, celebrated, not just in your own country, but around the world as an East German. Now it's gone. Was that hard? When the wall came down that moment, it was kind of weird for me too. Everything went so fast. Everything was so fast, you know, instead of really sitting back and really sorting out what are the good things, what maybe is worth to keep. And this is some of the resentments these days where a lot of East Germans say we were sort of ignored as well for what we lift and the values we lift for. This is more partisan than ever, John, yeah. which is what's really striking about this. I mean, you go back to Nixon, and I think it was all but four Republicans voted to move forward with impeachment. There were 31 Democrats with Clinton who voted to move to impeach. No Republicans on the on this recent vote. Right. We are in a more tribal period now where the structure of politics incentivizes people to close ranks. In Nixon's time, you had senators from parties whose voters voted for Nixon for president, but they were Democrats, and so those same voters had voted for them. So voters were switching parties. You had split-ticket voting. That's almost gone now. And so you have an instance in which you have voters who are much more tribally aligned, and the media landscape is different. So you have people going to their preferred media outlets seeking affirmation rather than information.
Well, so sticking with the media on this, if President Trump or any other elected official uh, chooses to expose the whistleblower, as they seem to be threatening, how do you think the media should handle that? It is striking that Facebook and YouTube, for example, have said, hey, we're, we're going to make sure the posts that are claiming to identify this person yeah. don't show up in your feeds either. Facebook, yeah. for example, saying any mention of the name, the potential person's mm -hmm. name, violates our coordinated harm policy, which prohibits outing of a witness or informer or activist, informant yeah. or activist. That is a remarkable position for these big tech companies to take. Yeah. I don't think they would be talking that way a few years ago. Hmm. So we see uh, a number of different institutions trying to be responsible yeah. in this situation. Uh, however, being responsible <clears throat> feeds into the GOP or the, the right wing narrative uh, that there's a cover up going on. Right. And there's right. A, the, the whistleblower must be a Democratic spy. Right. And the, the media is with him. It's a double edged yeah. sword, isn't it? Well, so a guest on one Fox News show named a person he thought was the whistleblower right. on air. Do you think hosts should be held accountable for what their guests say? I thought it was strange that the host didn't say anything in that moment. Look, mm. I've been in this situation where a guest says something, you're, you're the host, you don't catch it, you're yeah, embarrassed right. by it later. Maybe that's what happened in this case. But Oliver Darcy and I reported this week that Fox uh, hosts and stars were told, we are not in this game. We are not outing this whistleblower. We don't know who it is. Yeah. We don't know who this person is. Yeah. Even though the Sean Hayes of the world do want to, to, to I guess, blur out whatever name mm -hmm. they think applies. I, I guess at the heart of this, it's an attempt to deflect and distract. And mm -hmm. it can seem like a petty game, but I think there's a layer where this is dangerous because it's ultimately about disinformation. There's a disinformation campaign trying to get away from the... What's going on? No. Another video? No. But once I searched for it on your vid, the algorithm started auto-playing all these other paranoid videos. Yeah, Illuminati, Flat Earthers, all classics. Well, it starts with the crazy Project Phalanx stuff, which brings in the people who are already suspicious of big institutions. And then it starts validating all of their views, playing one video after another and somehow it all leads to white nationalism pot of gold at the end of the extremist rainbow yeah you know chelsea weldon says that your vid is a neutral platform but the way it's set up it just keeps feeding you more and more poison you never see anything that offers another point of view it doesn't want you to. How do they justify it? What is the rationale? Russell says that their philosophy is fight bad speech with good speech. But how? If the algorithm only lets you hear one kind of speech. This morning we are getting our first look at the excerpts of the, this explosive new book called A Warning. It is written by the same anonymous person who wrote that New York Times op-ed last year claiming to be part of a resistance inside the Trump administration. Excerpts of a warning paint a chilling picture of President Trump as an erratic leader who poses a danger to the country. The anonymous author, who claims to be a senior Trump administration official, paints a picture of a president who is unstable and inept. The author alleges the president can be so erratic that most top administration officials have pre-written resignation letters ready to submit. The writer describing a near daily five alarm fire drill where senior officials cancel plans and race to the White House to prevent the president from enacting his latest wacky or destructive idea. The book written by Anonymous describes a staff in revolt against the president they serve. It claims senior officials were so alarmed by the president's behavior last year, they considered a midnight self-massacre, a mass resignation in protest. But they decided against it because they believed it would cause even more chaos. 
Anonymous paints a picture of an out-of-control president, like a 12-year-old in an air traffic control tower, pushing the buttons of government indiscriminately, indifferent to the plane skidding across the runway and the flights frantically diverting away from the airport. Fourteen-term Congressman Peter King of New York announced today that he's retiring and won't seek re-election in 2020. The 75-year-old Republican saying he wants to spend more time with his family. King's suburban Long Island district is the kind of district the GOP has recently been struggling to hold. Even though it was carried by Trump, King won re-election by just six points last year, which is the closest race he has had since he was first elected back in 1992. Now, King is widely described uh, in the press as a rare, moderate Republican, but I don't think that really characterized him accurately. He was one of the most notorious anti-Muslim bigots in all of Congress. He said there are, quote, too many mosques in this country. He led hearings on what he claimed was the, quote, radicalization of the American Muslim community and called for a nationwide surveillance program directed at Muslim Americans. To further hammer that last Chris A. soundbite, breaking list of members of the U.S. Congress who support Terrorist front group CARE list includes Democrat presidential candidates Booker, Harris, Klobuchar. 97 out of 100 names on the list were Democrats. Three were Republicans. They, they, didn't, they didn't fucking report that because that would just make too much sense, right? We'd actually talk about real they did cover SCOTUS denies gunmaker petition allowing Sandy Hook families to sue Remington over massacre. That was okay. Yeah, that was just fan-fucking-tastic. They went all fucking postal over Donald Trump saying the following. DACA recipients with arrest records, 53,792. This is a very large portion of the total. Not good, but we will be able to make a deal with the Dems. This is patently impossible. You cannot qualify DACA with criminal records. Chris Hayes, the White House press secretary, has two DUIs. That's what they're saying. Um, so does your former national security manager, former deputy campaign manager, former national security, blah, 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 blah. Obel Manuel, the president is citing DACA data provided by USCIS. About 60% of those arrested were driving related, not DUIs, and immigration status related. See here. Not quite. USC records show that 60,000 DACA had arrest records as of June 2018. More than 2,000 had their DACA privilege revoked to do serious crime, including murder, rape, etc. That's straight from the horse's mouth. I mean, they fight everything. And they ignore... Because now I've crossed into DACA because I meant to get the next thing. How about Iran? And they actually found uranium. The United Nations nuclear watchdog says uranium of man-made origin has been discovered at a location in Iran not declared to the agency. The revelation from the International Atomic Energy Agency, the IAEA, is the first time it has acknowledged allegations made by the U.S. and Israel against Iran are true. 
President Trump is encouraging Iran to release a retired FBI agent who's been missing in the country since 2007. And while Iran is finally acknowledging it knows more about Robert Levinson than previously admitted, there is still uncertainty about his exact status. It's unclear when Iran opened this case, but the move reignites hope that after a dozen years, Levinson could return home. President Trump tweeted if Iran turns over Levinson, quote, it would be a very positive step. At the same time, upon information and belief Iran is and has been enriching uranium, that would be a very bad step. Less than a week ago, the State Department raised its reward to $20 million for information that leads to Levinson's safe return. So the plane full of money, was that a bad thing then? Nobody in the media covered that. Nobody. They ignored it. Because once again, they'll never report scandals on Democrats. All they do is promote scandals for Democrats. And as we go to a music break, only Fox covered the police officer killed by the illegal immigrant. Killed. Nobody covered it. Because it doesn't matter. Fuck cops. We're trying to get Democrats votes. So we just say all cops are racist pieces of shit. Yeah. Here's some World War II Christmas on the other side, and we'll come into impeachment. One soundbite. It's fantastic. Then a second one for the hearing. And there's this. The Florida police officer who has been fighting for his life for days now has passed away. Fort Myers officer Adam Jobbers Miller was shot in the head while responding to an armed robbery. The suspected killer, Winsner uh, Desmere, is from Haiti and in the country illegally, now being charged with first-degree murder. Officer Jobber Miller is the 34th officer to be shot and killed in the line of duty just this year alone. Shocking new details about the man accused of shooting a Colorado cop in the head last week. We've now learned Karar Kamizi is an Iraqi immigrant with a long criminal history. Despite previous charges of drunk driving, trespassing, and criminal extortion, he somehow managed to avoid deportation. Former Nashville police officer Vincent Hill weighed in earlier. Here we are yet again dealing with another brother in blue who was shot in the head like a sheep in a slaughterhouse because of this ideology that the left is preaching. This entire thing could have been prevented had we had tougher immigration laws. Colorado Springs officer Jen Duzel remains in critical condition. Look at what happened in Arkansas on Sunday. A 29-year-old illegal immigrant opening fire on officers during a traffic stop outside of Fayetteville. We have the dash cam footage, but be warned, this video is disturbing. why we talk about vetting people before they come into the country. Thankfully, no officers were injured. The perpetrator was taken into custody. 
We began with a Fox News alert, a massive manhunt intensifying for an illegal immigrant accused of killing a California police officer. Police believe the suspect is armed and dangerous. Our own Todd Pyro joins us live with the latest on the desperate search to find him. Todd, you've been covering this all morning. That's right. Griff, Rachel P., good morning. Calls for justice growing louder this morning as the manhunt continues for a suspected cop killer in Northern California. Authorities revealing the unidentified suspect is in the U.S. illegally. He was spotted on surveillance video moments before allegedly shooting Newman Police Corporal Ronil Singh during a traffic stop. Also breaking right now, ICE revealing an illegal immigrant murdered a deputy in Washington state. The agency says the Mexican man overstayed his work visa. The suspect opening fire on Deputy Ryan Thompson in a shootout after a high-speed chase. He was also shot and killed. This, as we learn, 1,800 illegals will soon be released from Homeland Security custody in Texas because there isn't enough space to hold them. An illegal immigrant is under arrest, accused of shooting a California sheriff's deputy. Investigators say the unidentified detective was investigating a domestic violence report when Guadalupe Lopez Herrera opened fire, hitting him in the leg. Lopez Herrera then drove off, leading an hour-long police chase. The sheriff says he was in custody on a domestic violence charge earlier this year. But since Sacramento limits cooperation with ICE, they could not turn him over. The deputy uh, hurt in the shooting will be okay. The California sheriff blames the governor's policies for a deputy's killing. Two illegal immigrants are charged in the death of Deputy Brian Ishmael, who was shot while investigating a marijuana theft. The sheriff says Gavin Newsom's sanctuary and marijuana policies contributed to the tragedy. If you allow criminally minded illegal aliens to infiltrate our communities with more protections than our average citizens, they will take advantage of that and victimize our communities. He's also slamming Newsom for missing the deputy's funeral. Hello, this is Ginger Rogers bringing you a Christmas stocking filled with cheer, laughter and music. A stocking hung on the Christmas tree for you and signed from the good old USA. Christmas is complete without Christmas carols. I think we all have memories of hearing Silent Night and Adeste Fidelis as they floated out over the crisp, clear air of a Christmas night. 
So for your first present from this Christmas stocking, we have Miss Helen Trobel and the chorus to sing for you three of your favorite Christmas carols.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Tonight, lights, cameras, testimony. The stage is set for the first televised hearings of the impeachment inquiry. We now know when they will happen and who may be the Democrats' star witness. Good evening and thank you for joining us. It's official, historic, televised impeachment hearings begin a week from today and it promises to be must-see TV. The Democrats plan to start with their star witness, a West Point grad with 50 years of public service. Acting U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine, Bill Taylor, will testify Wednesday alongside Deputy Assistant Secretary of State George Kent. Then on Friday, former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Yovanovitch, will testify. House Democrats say that's just the beginning. Today, more Democrats, I should say, more, more of the Democrats released more transcripts from those closed-door depositions. And Nancy Cordes says they offer a preview of what's expected to be bombshell testimony. Also tonight, Republicans taking aim at the whistleblower who first raised alarms about that call. Donald Trump Jr. retweeting a report with a possible name, Senator Rand Paul calling for the whistleblower to be outed. If someone's going to accuse you of something that might remove the president from office, for goodness sake, shouldn't they come forward and present their accusations in person? I think whistleblowers are entitled to their confidentiality. Is this a wake-up call for Democrats? Do you think there's been some overconfidence here? Absolutely. I, I think that everyone needs to remember that the way we win the presidency is not a national poll. It is state by state by state. And the voters who voted for Barack Obama and Donald Trump, that's who they should be focused on. That's those crossover voters. And they're they're in abundance in these states. And they have not made up their mind yet. They are a little worried about some of the extreme positions taken by a lot of the primary well, candidates. There's nothing evil about the middle of America, either geographically or in terms of ideology. And we've got to focus on the practical things that matter to people's families. They are not as worried about whether or not they're going to have a Medicare for all as they are whether or not they can afford their medicine. Mm. So I think these candidates... and. Frankly, we're a little distracted by all the impeachment. Uh, these candidates need to get back to the what I call the kitchen table issues for American families and reassure them that they can make change happen. Not just pie-in-the-sky ideas that are really unrealistic, but stuff they can get across the finish line. To the media, do your job and print his name. There's something deeply deceptive and underhanded about what he's doing there, Jeffrey, because he's saying... Someone else should do this because he knows that if he said it out loud, that'd be breaking the law. Well, but but that's breaking the law too. I mean, let's let's you know not slice the bologna too thin. I mean, the the the, the whole idea of um, whistleblower protection laws is so they don't have to endure uh, that kind of behavior, much less on national television. It's bullying. It, it, it's it's bullying. It's dangerous. And there's no reason to hear from the whistleblower at this point because everything that he's been saying everything that he had said has been validated by all of the other witnesses so the only reason they would want to out his name is to attack him to publicly attack him to retaliate against him for for what he's done and for coming forward which was a very brave thing to do because look at what's happened subsequently sure. so many other people have come forward uh, expressing their alarm 
So in there, you hear it's a frenzy. They want it dramatic. They don't want it like Mueller or Blasey Ford, because that's horrible. It didn't work for them. MTP even says they hope they make it super dramatic and sell it. GPOP are sandbagging it. You can't talk about Biden. That's horrible. Um, and CBS worrying, what, what if they lose? What if they lose? But just remember, eight times Obama, and you can look it up online. I'm not going to cover it. It's a VIP article. He used aid in the same way. Foreign countries, from Israel to Egypt. It's how it's been played forever. The president uses it as a foreign policy tool. And there's multiple articles. When it comes to impeachment, liberal media declare war. Yeah, We can go back to every time it's ever happened. They declare war. They go after conservative presidents, and they defend liberal presidents. It's how they do it. If there's ever talk of impeachment, I mean, let's be honest. Nowadays, Nixon never would have been impeached. Wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't have had to resign. He would have waited it out. But back then, there was still honor, and and the media made people think, okay, i got to do this. Now, there's no trust in the media. Everything we've had from Mueller to fucking Blasey Ford, I mean, it is all lies. And now the big thing, of course, is Eric Carmilla. That's his name. He's a Democratic operative. He works for Democrats. He is a plant. Everybody knows it, but you can't say his name. But Molly Hemingway said, fuck y'all, I'm saying the shit. The media is not doing yes. its job. And, and that is, how, are, how are you guys exempt from that? Just, the New York Times did all but reveal his name in September. Yes, they they gave all the details. So and, Trump, the New York Times was the first to basically real, half out the whistleblower by saying he's a CIA officer who had been assigned to the White House. And, right. and Real Clear Investigations has identified a man named Eric Cheramella as the whistleblower. So it's already out there. We could be talking about this reporting and talking about whether that's accurate reporting or not. So I feel a little bit confused about why we're pretending that it hasn't already been I just reported. want to clarify that I don't know that, that, that might person. be the first time that the name has been mentioned on Fox News. I just want to clarify that I'm going to come to you on this. I don't know whether this is actually the person or not, and I don't want to speculate about that. But there have been a few... Con- Fact of the matter, he's a dem operative, and I think Undercover Huber has the best fucking statement on this. Just FYI, the reason most of the media are playing coy about naming the whistleblower is that they've used them as an anonymous source long before the Ukrainian call. They don't want his identity to get out because they won't be able to get their lies that they pass off as real news. And he's probably right. Nikki Haley sums up my feelings on this whole thing. Nikki Haley ridicules notion of impeaching President Trump on what? You're going to impeach a president for asking for a favor that didn't happen and giving money and it wasn't withheld? But CNN asked Yang about it, and this is what he said. You just wrapped up a town hall in New Hampshire. You're out there very actively on the campaign trail. Let me ask you this. What are you hearing from voters about impeachment? You know, Wolf, I get very, very few questions about impeachment. And the fact is, when we're talking about Donald Trump, we are not presenting a new vision that's getting people excited. The voters here in New Hampshire see it the same way I do, which is that 
impeachment will not help move the country forward, and talking about Donald Trump is a loser for Democrats, even if it's in the context of impeaching him. If the House uh, of Representatives, Andrew, were to vote uh, to impeach the president by Christmas, the trial in the Senate uh, would likely begin in January. That's right before the Iowa caucuses, right before uh, the New Hampshire primary. Uh, do, you th- do you worry about uh, that dominating the news and the, the race for the Democratic nomination becoming a distraction? I do. I think that would be terrible timing for the Democratic field. And we have to face facts that not a single Republican crossed the aisle for the House impeachment vote. And if that plays out in the Senate, then Donald Trump is likely to not be successfully impeached. I expect him to be there for me to defeat at the ballot box in 2020. Would you like to see impeachment wrapped up on an expedited timeline, or should the House take its time to lay out all the alleged wrongdoing by the president? I think the sooner the better, uh, and then we can get our focus back to beating Donald Trump if he's still there, which I expect him to be. Uh, so if, it, the, if the timeline plays out where half the Democratic field is in D.C. listening to testimony through the crucial month of January, I don't think that's a good thing. See, this is a Washington thing. And once again, this is pushed by the media. They hate this guy. They want him gone. That's why reports... Impeachment frenzy. TV networks blast Trump with 96% negative. Positive spin four, 96. This is from the ABC, CBS, NBC Evening Newscast from the 24th of September to 11-5. Overwhelmingly negative, MRC analysts have reviewed all coverage of Trump and his administration on ABC, CBS, and NBC Evening Newscasts since 2017, following the beginning of the impeachment Inquiry on September 24th. This coverage has been, been even more hostile than normal. Out of 684 evaluative comments, including in these broad, included in these broadcasts, a whopping 96% have been negative. It's all about the impeachment. Nearly matches 438 minutes of airtime these newscasts produced during the most hyper-intensive six weeks of Russia collusion scandal, starting with President fired James Comey on May. 20, uh, May 9th, 2017, through June 20th of the year. With most of the development behind closed doors, the majority of networks' impeachment coverage has been based on secret leaks from anonymous sources. Out of 172 news reports, a large majority, 60%, relied on unnamed sources. This is slightly higher than when we first checked in late October when 57% of impeachment stories were anonymous. Uh... 395 minutes of impeachment Ukraine, 95% negative. Withdrawing troops from Syria, 121 minutes, 98% negative. Successful killing an ISIS leader, 45 minutes, 67% negative. Even negative spin on Baghdadi's death. Only two other Trump administrative topics have been granted much airtime since the inquiry began. The successful U.S. mission to the death of ISIS, which was only 45 minutes of pulling troops out of 121, and we just covered it. Silent on economic success, despite record high in stock market, a 50-year low on unemployment. The president's handling of the economy was given a stingy four minutes and six seconds. That's it. That's it. They're just they're just all in. Here's another soundbite. Cronkite-esque. That's what Snuffburger said. This is the Super Bowl Game of Thrones shit. That's what the media said. 
And the Dems are patriots. The cons are losers. Down to the voice of William Taylor, I'm sure I'm not the only one who noticed the echoes of Walter Cronkite. I guess I'm old enough to remember Walter Cronkite right there. He's been roundly described on Twitter as having a frontline uh, quality voice. So here's to you, uh, PBS, for setting the stage. That's what I keep thinking about. That the, other than, you know, a Super Bowl, a sporting event, I don't know, maybe the finale of Game of Thrones, there are not that many things that everybody watches together on TV. And there right. haven't been very many things. Communal in, experience. Right. Trump's, in Trump's presidency, there haven't been that many things. And in, in, in politics, I mean, each party every four years has its own convention. And for three nights, each side watches their convention. But this is six networks today, I think, covering the same live event. I think it's unknowable what people will experience when they watch it. I mean, how do you how do you counsel your former colleagues on how to navigate sort of the unknowable variable of live TV? Well, on the record, the impeachment hearings against President Trump now just hours away. For the first time, witnesses facing the cameras and the country with the presidency hanging in the balance. It's a historic day. Let's lay it out for you. The hearing will unfold live on national television beginning this morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time inside a House committee room. The central question here, did the president abuse his office? One of the most consequential days of the Trump era. History in the House this morning as impeachment proceedings go public for just the third time in the modern era. Good morning, America. It's an historic day on Capitol Hill for only the fourth time in history, an American president now facing impeachment. Impeachment is the ultimate check on an American president. This is where history will be made today. In just a few hours, this room will be packed with members of Congress, the press, and the public. This morning, a pivotal moment for Democrats taking the case to the American people that the president abused his power and should be impeached. We talked about a historic moment, and it is the fate of a president, the judgment of history on the line. History in the House. The impeachment inquiry holds its first public hearing with Donald Trump's presidency on the line. It's a big day in Washington. You could call it an historic day for the nation with the first public hearings on the potential impeachment of the president of the United States. I'm told the Democrats here today are going to be somber, serious and focused. They do believe these are their strongest witnesses, that they can attest to the scope and impact of the president's campaign to pressure Ukraine. And given the fact that both of these officials have worked for Republicans and Democrats, Democrats here feel that their character will be hard to impugn. But George, Republicans have also been preparing. They've been even holding mock hearings, honing their defense. They are going to focus squarely and narrowly on the president's actions on that phone call with the Ukrainian leader. They will insist that there was no pressure. There was no conditional arrangement. But George, Democrats and witnesses will say that that phone call is just part of this story. Hey, Mayor, we, said we could see some delays in the proceedings this morning. Yeah, George, we, we are preparing for Republicans to start off this morning with a little bit of some theatrics. We are seeing that they are preparing some exhibits inside the hearing room here just down the hall. We know that Republicans want to hammer away at their demand to also hear from the anonymous whistleblower who sparked this impeachment inquiry. Rep Democrats, of course, have argued that that is redundant and unnecessary given what we now know from these other key witnesses. But, George, you are likely to see uh, a little bit of politics, to, to say the least, at play here this morning. The fact is, the media doesn't know what America wants. Andrew Yang just said it. Nobody's talking about this except for media talking heads who want to take them the fuck down. And when they do hear sound bites, they hear sound bites like this from Jim Jordan. Up on July 18th, is that right? That's when I first heard about it, uh, Mr. And then, it's, and then it's released Ambassador Taylor on September 11th. And we know that from your deposition, in those 55 days that aid is delayed... 
you met with President Zelensky three times. The first one was July 26th, the day after the famous call now between President Trump and President Zelensky. President Zelensky meets with you, Ambassador Volker and Ambassador Sondland. And again, according to your deposition, your testimony, there was no linkage of security assistance dollars to investigating Burisma or the Bidens. Second meeting is August 27th. Again, in this 55-day time frame, second meeting is August 27th. President Zelensky meets with you and Ambassador Bolton and others. And again, there's no linkage of dollars, security assistance dollars, to an investigation of the Bidens. Then, of course, the third meeting is September 5th. President Zelensky meets with you and Senators Johnson and Murphy. And once again, there is no linkage of security assistance dollars to an investigation of Burisma or the Bidens. <coughs> Three meetings with the president of Ukraine, the new president, and no linkage. That's accurate? Mr. Jordan, it's certainly accurate on the first two, uh, first two meetings, because to my knowledge, uh, the Ukrainians were not aware of the hold on assistance until, until the 29th of August. So the political article. The political article. Um, the, thir the third meeting that you mentioned with the senators, Senators yep. Murphy and Senator Johnson, um, there was discussion of the security assistance, but uh, no linkage. But there was not there was not discussion of linkage. Folks, there's no there there. And the problem about all this, there was no dare there, dare dare with Mueller. There was no dare dare with Blasey Ford. What the media is forgetting is they are starting to make the American people turn them off. I mean, I don't know anybody that's watching this shit. And to even hammer the point home worse, here's pictures that were there. 93 days since Adam Schiff learned the identity of the whistleblower, and he actually says he doesn't know who he is. Because now the truth's up that he's just a dem operative and it's ruining their case. Another one. I'm concerned if we don't impeach the president, he'll get reelected. That's a quote. Um, let's see if I can read this other one. There's another sign. These were put in there by GOP people. Has started first of many steps. Rebellion impeachment will follow ultimately lawyers. And that is the actual lawyer that's persecuting this case. We read it in the last podcast. But to make it even worse, I'm going to read you an article because I saw a picture on Twitter. And... I'm always talking about how Democrats in the media know nothing about the middle of the country. Rural people are evil, we're pieces of shit, yada, yada, yada. This is a serious story. This is a serious thing. This is the impeachment of the President of the United States. This is historic, we're being told. NBCnews.com swoons over drag queen at impeachment hearing. You want a concise distillation of how serious the left impeachment attempts are in the first official days of the hearing? Look at the drag queen journalist on the ground at Capitol Hill. Just try to tell yourself without wincing that this is a sad and oh-so-serious day for democracy, as Nancy Pelosi puts it. It sure says a lot about the Democratic Party when a drag queens have become their shock troopers. Pissy Miles, as he likes to call himself, please, Lord, we hope that doesn't mean what we think it means, apparently fancies himself a journalist with a valid interest in covering impeachment politics. 
It's a nice reminder of just how much of a circus the Dems attempting at removing Trump is, with freaks like Pissy Miles being enthusiastic rent-a-clowns. NBCNews.com reported on the attendance of the award-winning drag performer, composing a headline that would have made the Founding Fathers seriously contemplate abandoning their American experiment. Read it and weep. Drag queen sashays into Trump impeachment hearing. Yes, it seems to be quite the spectacle. The site describes his appearance writing spotted towering over the gray and blue suits packed in the first day of the President Trump's uh, impeachment hearing was an enormous blonde wig, that of Pissy Miles, a drag performer from Ashbury Park, New Jersey. The accompanying images were about as horrifying as one would imagine. Pissy, a clearly overweight male, was wearing an offensively red, way-too-short dress, sparkling red hairs and hair heels, and curly blonde wigs so ostentious that Honey Boo Boo would have faded on sight. The most outlandish part of it all was that Miss Miles had a reportering rig all set up and ready to go. She was holding her phone with an extension arm and had her headphones in and was giving viewers an up-close and personal account of the morning proceedings. NBC News asked Miles how this day was going, to which he replied in classic camp fashion, It's a crazy day in Washington. I'm flipping my wig over the high-energy proceedings today. Hmm, wow. Though Pissy was comically aware of the spectacle he generated, adding tensions are high and the bar for who's allowed in the Longworth house is very, very low, you can say that again. The outlet obtained a bio about drag queens stating that he is an award-winning drag performer, comedy producer, and winner of the Phyllis Drag Wars and Miss Fish New York City, who performs regularly in the New York area. Miles' husband, David Allion, told the site that the artist is covering the hearing via a new social media startup app called HAPS. It's a shame to even say it, but if Schiff and his drag queen soldiers beat Trump, then maybe he doesn't deserve to win, the article says. Yeah. They're so serious. They know what America wants. And they bring a drag queen. Nicole Wallace, it would appear Elias Stefanik is drinking the same Looney Tune juice with a breakfast as Nikki Haley, going from occasionally reasonable Republicans to Trump shills. That's a journalist. She has a TV show. Looney Tune juice. Cheryl Atkinson, I'm no expert, and neither am I the smartest in the room, obviously, but my amateur analysis is, so far the impeachment testimony has been a major bust for Democrats and has helped Trump. Also, I assume few minds have been changed. Comments? Difference of opinion? None. Vox. What did they report after day one of the hearing? The bow tie brought style and authority to George Kent's testimony. The ensemble gives Kent a benign appearance when just opposed with Ambassador William Tyler, the second witness, who chose to wear a black suit with dark green tie, typical Washington attire. The public hearing are a historic moment for the participants of the country, as this is the fourth ever impeachment inquiry into the U.S. president. As Kent launched in his opening statement, he drew comparisons to diplomat Mr. Rogers or sterner Bill Nye. Kent's dapper outfit will likely set him apart for future testifying witnesses who will make appearances on Friday and later next week and say a lot about who he is and what he brings to the inquiry. Yeah. None of these journalists or Democrats reported this. 
Nets overlook legal complaint. Whistleblower soliciting illicit funds. The tables appeared to turn on Tuesday when news broke that the inf- infamous whistleblower behind impeachment was the subject of a different whistleblower's complaint. The new complaint suggests that the original whistleblower was soliciting and receiving illicit funds via the GoFundMe page set up pay for legal fees. I would be expected the same broadcast networks would gave Trump 96% negative refused to touch the latest revelation. While the flagship evening newscasts, ABC, CBS, and NBC hyped the star of the televised impeachment hearing, Fox News Channel special report dared to cover the possible illicit activity of the whistleblower. The whistleblower at the center of the impeachment inquiry is now the subject of a whistleblower complaint. In a letter to the intelligence community, Inspector General, a Washington law firm, says their client believes the whistleblower is soliciting illicit funds on the Internet to pay for legal bills. After weeks of mixed messaging, Republican issued this memo defending the president who said they withheld the aid not to get dirt on Biden because of Ukraine's history of pervasive corruption. Republicans intend to focus narrowly on the president's July phone call saying there was no pressure, blah, 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 blah. The article goes on. It's all bullshit. Byron York. This was covered by the media. Top Ukraine guy at NSC apparently thought Obama administration had provided javelins to Ukraine, and the chairman who's leading the witness here, that would be shift. He would know better. He would know that the first javelins were supplied to UA in 2019, and yet he prompts the witness to say there was a prior shipment. According to this, the chairman, shift didn't know the javelins were sent either. Why is he in charge of anything, and why is it, wasn't this pointed out before? It was during an exchange, and the GOP council tried to get Vindman to reveal who he spoke to in the intel community, interpreted by Vindman's lawyer as an attempt to out the whistleblower. Meadows later contra- contradicted Schiff's comments that the WB has a statutory right to anonymity. Face the nation. Vindman out at NSC. After testifying on the Hill, NSA O'Brien says Alexander Vindman will be removed from the National Security Council. Everyone who detailed at the NSC people are going back to their own departments and will bring in new folks. Margaret Brennan, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, who has testified under oath as serving on National Security Council, will he continue to work there? Well, well, look, one of the things that I've talked about is that we're streamlining. So they're reporting that he got fired, but he didn't. Scott Dorkin, Hillary Shell, Trump has fired Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, whose damning testimony confirmed Trump tried to bribe and extort Ukraine. His firing is an abuse of power and another repeatable offense. Trump retaliated against an American patriot on Veterans Day weekend. Disgusting and pathetic. Somebody reported that they're just downsizing, but he would be removed and he's going to be court-martialed. He broke... The chain of command. I truly believe the New York Post sums it up. Guilty now for the trial. And they show Schiff as a carnival barker and Nancy Pelosi as a clown. And it pretty much sums up what all of this is. It is a nothing burger. There's no there, there, because this is what presidents do. This is what they do. I mean, I, I, I'm still in shock that this is an impeachment. There's nothing there. This is not high crimes and misdemeanors. It's just not. So... 
There's our impeachment coverage. We're going to close this section out. Uh, where are we on on time? See, we need to go to a music break. We are not. So we're going to bump straight in to uh, news and social media nuggets. Um, going to do it. We'll do a music break when we transition. Some, well, you know what? Let's just do it now. We're going to do a music break really quick. I want some more World War II Christmas stuff. So we're going to close with Megan Kelly interviewing the Epstein reporter. And CBS fired the wrong person. There's actually notes from the person. You didn't get me. All to protect the media. They fired the wrong person. And uh, I'll listen to some Christmas music, and then we'll pop into news and social media nuggets. Hi, everyone. I'm Megan Kelly. Jeffrey Epstein was an accused serial pedophile who died in prison in August, supposedly by suicide, though there are doubts. Prior to 2019, many news organizations looked into the allegations against Epstein, a well-connected investor who surrounded himself with the rich and famous. But no one ever quite got the story until the Miami Herald broke it late last year. Or so we thought. Earlier this week, a group called Project Veritas leaked a tape in which ABC News anchor Amy Robach complains on an open mic that she had the Epstein story three years ago, but ABC refused to air it. I've had the story for three years. I've had this interview with Virginia Roberts. We would not put it on the air. Um, First of all, I was told, who's Jeffrey Epstein? No one knows who that is. This is a stupid story. Um, Then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. Um, We were so afraid we wouldn't be able to interview Kate and Will that that also quashed the story. ABC News and Robach have since issued statements suggesting Robach's reporting at the time was not ready for air and could not be corroborated. Some have questioned why, three years later, ABC never did nail down the story. ABC did manage to nail down the identity of the employee who accessed in its system the Robach hot mic moment within a matter of hours. That staffer had recently moved to CBS and, two days ago, after a call from ABC, CBS fired her. That young woman is Ashley Bianco, and she joins me now for her first interview. Ashley, thank you for joining me. Did you leak the tape? I did not. Not to anyone? No, at any At any time? No. Did you make a clip of the moment? I did, but I saved it, I saved it in the internal system. So what was your job at ABC? I was a crash producer. Okay, so a producer. Yeah. And you were in the control room when Amy made those comments? Uh, I wasn't in the control room, but I was I was watching the comments while I was at my desk, and um, I had seen what she was saying, and I went to my manager and I said, you know, do you see what she's saying? Does she know that she's on a hot mic? The assistant said to us that, um, that Amy knew she was on a mic uh, and that she knew she was being broadcasted to all the affiliates. Right, so this is a moment where she's off the air, she's doing taped promos, mm-hmm. but she has a mic on and people can see and hear her. Yeah. So what made you, you, what did you do? You clipped the moment? You sort of marked the moment in the system? Yeah, I, I just clipped it off. I essentially marked it in the system. It never left the system. We do it all the time. Did you tell the manager that you had clipped it? I did not. Did you think it was newsworthy, what she was saying? Everyone in the office was freaked out by what she was saying, and everyone was, was watching it. So the purpose for clipping it was what, to watch it back later? Yeah, watch it back later. Um, you know, I, I did it just for office gossip. You know, mm-hmm. was there any intention to embarrass her? No, not at all. Or ABC? No, I would never. You know, uh, the 
three years I've spent at ABC, I've, I've loved my time there. You know, I'm a, I'm a good employee. I've, you know, I've worked seven days a week, you know. I, I loved my job. Was this the first time you had ever clipped a, a segment of an anchor off mic? No, I mean, we do it all the time. You know, uh, I'm part of my job is I'm like a video editor. You know, I, I clip off moments all the time. I put together, you know, funny anchor reels of, you know, them off camera doing funny stuff to use later in the show. Did you go back and watch it later? I didn't, no. I, I didn't even I didn't think about it after that day. So was that the last you had to do with that clip? Yeah, I didn't touch it. I didn't do anything else with that. You never went back to it? I never went back to it. You didn't download it, you didn't email it, you didn't transfer that file in any way? No, not at all. I didn't touch it after that. It stayed in the system. I hadn't even heard of Project Veritas until this. When was this moment with Amy? It was in August, August 19th. And then in the fall, you decided to leave ABC mm -hmm. to go where? To CBS. And I only left purely because uh, CBS had offered me a, a good contract. And so I, you know, I, I left and I was just really excited to start a new job. And, and so this week you're sitting at CBS doing your job. Yeah. And, and what happens with Project Veritas? They released the video, you know, and I was shocked, but I didn't think anything of it. How many days had you been at CBS? Only four days, you know. And I, uh, I begged, I pleaded, I didn't know what I had done wrong. And I just, you know, I didn't. I wasn't even given the professional courtesy to defend myself. You know, I didn't know what I'd been accused of. It was, you know, humiliating. It was devastating. Have you ever spoken to James O'Keefe of Project Veritas? No, never. I didn't even know who he was until this week. And haven't communicated with anybody who works there in any way, shape, or form? No, yeah, I've never communicated with anyone over there. What was your reaction when you found out ABC News had called CBS? Devastated. I mean, it's like I'll never get a job anywhere else. It was devastating. You'll get a job. You'll definitely get a job. Do you think they should have aired her interview? I don't know. I mean, she was really upset. Clearly, she felt that she had a strong case, you know, but I, I have no clue. So you didn't have outrage over them not airing it? This wasn't, no, this no. wasn't you trying to stake a claim? I loved the company. I didn't have anything wrong with it, you know? Mm -hmm. I would never try to do anything to jeopardize that. What do you want ABC and CBS executives to know? It wasn't me. I'm, you know, I'm not the whistleblower. I'm sorry to ABC, but the leaker's still inside, you know? It's not, I never did any of that. I may have accessed it, but I never, never leaked it. I never showed it to anyone. I didn't talk about the situation outside the company. And when you say the leaker's still inside, do you have any suspicions about who actually may have leaked it? This was something that everyone saw. Is that right? So it was a talked about moment? Yeah, it was definitely that whole day. Everyone, you know, was, was talking about it, was running around, you know, taking videos of it. So do you regret clipping that moment now? I do. Had I known, I would have never clipped it. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything. I didn't leak it. Anyone else could have clipped it off. Even James O'Keefe has come out now saying you are not the leaker, that you were not the insider who gave this to him. What do you think should happen to the insider, and what do you hope they'll do now? You know, I just want, I just want my career back. You know, I want people to know I didn't do it. You know, that's all I want. So. Thank you.
Thanks. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Bob Command Performance Hope telling all you soldiers, sailors, and Marines that although Johnny Doughboy found a rose in Ireland, what he really wants is that stinkweed in Berlin. This is London, and this is the fourth Christmas Eve. The beef eaters may have become spam eaters. But no one has seen Scrooge about tonight. Our men have been giving parties for British children. They have made toys of odd bits of wood and metal. Big, tough sergeants have played Santa Claus. Thousands of British children, especially the orphans and the poor, have had a memorable time thanks to the Americans. Our men are the best fed, best paid, and best uniformed soldiers in this war. And this Christmas, they have certainly maintained the American tradition of good-natured generosity. Some of them are a little homesick, but you couldn't tell it by looking at them. I've asked many of them what they'd like to say if they were talking to America tonight. And most of them have said, well, you see, it's a little tough to know what to say. But you know how it is. I've an idea. Most of them would tell you, don't worry too much. We're all right, and we're amongst friends. And some of them on this dark night might repeat the words written a long time ago. Though there be darkness, it shall be as the morning. And thou shalt be secure. Because there is hope. Bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Were you trying to get crazy with this, eh? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind.
I want to start with Chris Pratt on Military Corner today. This guy is so stand-up for Hollywood. It blows me away. This is his um, Veterans Day tweet. It's my older brother, Cully. Happy Veterans Day. I always wanted to be exactly like him. We were the same size despite our three years difference in age. So as a kid, I would wear the same clothes he wore literally the day after he wore them, picking them off the floor in the room. What can I say? He knew how to match, and I liked the smell. One day, his friend started to notice, and he kindly urged me to wear my own clothes. He's a good big brother. He always led with love. Growing up, we wrestled for hours every day and smashed every bit of furniture in the house, but never actually fought. He taught me everything. He put up with me and my incessant hyperactivity and forced his friends to do the same. I say all this to point out that he's a real person. And the more we can look at our veterans for who they are, actual people with siblings and parents with children and funny pasts, the more we can approach our relationship, to, relationship with them with compassion and understanding. My brother didn't join the Army because he wanted to be Rambo. He joined because it was an opportunity for a hard-nosed kid who couldn't afford college, somebody who wanted to get the hell out of a small town and probably wanted his own clothes. We have the greatest armed forces the world has ever seen. It's made up of real people who joined for myriad of reasons, brave men and women who sacrificed a whole hell of a lot. Today is their day, so celebrate a veteran today. Today I celebrate Cully, as well as my cousin Curtis, Uncle Steve, Uncle Skip, second cousin Joey, Ryan, and Alex, besties Jarrett and Jeffrey, all those I fished for, hunted with, those who blessed me with their challenge coins as I've encountered them on press junkets and in my travels and many in the film industry working both in front and behind the cameras to those currently serving and those out thanks for your service we appreciate you that's fucking fantastic and i just oppose it with the army's new campaign this to me they get it they went away from a warrior wanted to more of a Oh, I don't know what even what to fucking call it. It's like, you know, a psychedelic with um a Chicago song in the background. Da 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 Twenty thousand six two four and it's like they had a weird it just fucking sucks. But in the release there was a bunch of articles written by Little liberal turds who could never even fucking pick up a rucksack, who hate the military. And Vice did one where he was anti-military. I literally tweeted him, you're just a piece of fucking shit. But I'm kind of a hypocrite. Because he brought up something I didn't know that happened. And this was actually a recruiting ad, I guess in the East Coast. But whoever came up with this idea, oh, you're a fucking moron. Everyone starts from somewhere, but where you start doesn't have to be where you end. There comes a time, Jay Malia. There comes a time we have to make a decision. Let's go! Join. Give no like gap. Yeah. I ain't never gonna stop. I'm to change my life. life. Gave me a new clock. Business on my head. NCO, I lay it. When you 
just trying to be better. You gotta lead a man's on me values I can't fold. No stopping, I can't do. Misperception the army like I'ma show you how to win. Education you gon' get. No doubt we stay fit. What's like knees and boots? Airborne we stay lit. Coming out like an acrobat, I'm flipping the script like flipping through pictures. I flicker. You wanna grow up? Start with the one in the mirror. You gotta step forward just to be bolder. There's more to a soldier than just taking orders. There's more to a soldier than just taking orders. It's not about more than 1775, known as a takeover. Uniform paid for, electric bill paid for, water bill paid for, living quarters paid for. Loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, earn more. Don't be a hostage to college, paying a mortgage, honor, integrity, personal courage, eating up beer like a bowl full of porridge. I'm above all, supporting and serving, I'm soaring. Confidence is pouring. The army, king of the jungle. Jory. Giving all I got, I ain't never gonna stop. I'ma change my life. life. Gave me a new clock. Business on my head. It's your wallet. We just trying to be better. You gotta lead a man. On me values I came for. No stopping, I can do. Misperception the army like. I'ma show you how to win. Education you gon' get. No doubt we stay fit. What's like needs and boost. Airborne we stay lit. Five o'clock I'm gone. Persistence zone. Say you want me to stop, but I want that bone. Nobody want me to quit. I fall, I trip. No, I keep getting back up. Cause I gotta have this. Hard words we came for. Persistence is simple. Bless what that's crucial. Late night is mental. No rest, the new quest. Headphones, the fifth set. I don't need no breaking this. I'm a train, I'm bringing sweat. Giving all I got. I ain't never gonna stop. I'ma change my life. Gave me a new clock. Business on my head. It's your wallet. We just trying to be better. You gotta lead a man. Only values I came for. No stopping, I can do. Misperception the army like. I'ma show you how to win. Education you gon' get. No doubt we stay fit. What's like needs and boost. Airborne we stay long. You ever think we'll get this far? Yeah, man. Of course I did. Hey, you in the army? Yeah, we're in the army. Thanks for all you do. Oh, appreciate you. Hey, thanks, man. Hey, you ever think about serving yourself? I thought about it, but honestly, I already have a good job. I got you. Hey, but let me show you something. Okay. I mean, I'm not the hippest motherfucker on the planet, but that was some bad... That was just some bad rapping. Come on, man. We, we don't need to go there. This is a warrior. We're, we are the Spartans, for God's sake. Not rappers. Then it was nice to see a huge article. I don't remember where I got this from. Green Beret turned Battlefield Coffee into 80 million business. Black Rifle Coffee Company can trace its roots to the deserts of the Iraq War. Now it's a multi-million dollar business. Here's a soundbite. This is Veterans Day, special day, and we have a special success story for you. I didn't realize how big a success it is until I just spoke to our guest during the commercial break. A Green Beret veteran went into the coffee business. His name is Evan Hafer, and he is the founder of Black Rifle Coffee, and he's sitting right next to me here in New York City. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Now, wait a minute. When I, I was just talking to you, <laughs> yeah. you really surprised me. Yeah, I did. You yeah. now do $80 million worth of coffee business a year. We are. We're on that track this year. For and sure. you only started in 2014. Uh, this is our five-year anniversary in December. Correct? Okay. Take yep. me back to whenever it was you started, because as I understand it, you were roasting and grinding coffee for your comrades whilst you were in Iraq in the desert. <laughs> correct. On the invasion of Iraq in 2003, I'd modified our, our gun trucks to have a grinder, a coffee grinder, and I would make French press coffee in the mornings before we were getting ready to conduct 
any operations in uh, 2003. Then 2005, six, seven, around that time, I was working Baghdad and northern Iraq with the, the Kurds, actually, because a lot of people understand where that's at now. Uh, I started roasting coffee to take with me on deployments. From there, that passion just continued to grow. And in 2014, I started Black Rifle Coffee with, um, well, myself and Matt Best and a few other guys. Um, well, they're all veterans, right? Correct, yes. So these are your comrade in arms. Correct. And you start a company, 2014. Now, is just the coffee beans, or do you grind them as well? Uh, we do everything. So we're sourcing the beans from South America, Africa, Southeast Asia. We're roasting coffee in both Utah and Nashville, Tennessee, so we're roasting millions of pounds of coffee now. And, uh, wait a second. Do, do, you, do you have a coffee bar chain in America, or do you sell this in supermarkets? Well, we're selling all direct-to-consumer via BlackRifleCoffee.com for the most part. Uh, we do have some B2B or dealers out there, and then we're opening up coffee shops this year and next year. So by the end of 2020, our objective is to have 20 coffee shops. How many people do you employ? 200. 60% so, of them veterans? 40% are veterans. 40%, and okay. as you know, you've, you've looked at the current hiring statistics for veteran or veteran employment is going down. So it's actually, that's a good thing. It's harder for me to hire veterans, which I'm super happy about. You're a coffee addict, aren't you? Uh, I would say that I'm a very passionate, I have a passion project that's turned into a business, and I'm super fortunate to work around yeah, yeah. my veteran community, but is I there, do love coffee. Is, is there ever a day when you wake up and you do not have coffee? No. Right. That's a very definitive How many note. cups would you have a day? I'm pressing here. That's right easy. I, I, have, uh, I have two cups of coffee, which would be a pour-over in the morning, and then I'll have espresso. And most of the time, I'm also cupping coffees to, to look for quality control throughout Black Rifle Coffee's roasting process. So I cut coffee off around noon and go to decaf. Yeah. Uh, right around noon, yeah. 1 o'clock, because what I've realized in the last five years, it's hard enough to get sleep as it is. Yeah. Uh, if I'm over-caffeinated, then I'm up for a day or two, typically. Yeah. Same as me. <laughs> yeah. I, I look, I drink a lot of coffee first. Do you thing. really? Oh, sure, yeah. I look, I get up at 2.45. I'm in my studio, in my office at 4 o'clock. I'm drinking a pot of coffee right from the get-go, but... I never. What are you laughing at? <laughs> you know, this is my life. You I, I think you could be a tea guy, but no, you're a oh, coffee stop. guy. I'm an American citizen. I know. <laughs> did you know that I'm an American citizen? I did, citizen? actually. I read up on you a little bit. Uh, oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, yeah okay. I sent over your bio. I did my research. I know exactly. I watched the show, too. No. I do. You do? Of course, yeah. You have no idea how flat it No, seriously. We'd love to hear that. And we'd love to hear an American success story. And you, sir, are it. Evan Hafer, correct? Evan Hafer, yes. But correct. the big point is, it is BlackRifleCoffee.com. That's right. BlackRifleCoffee.com. Thank you. That's really cool stuff. Thanks Thank very you. much, Evan. Thank we you. appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And of course, as Matt Best, Levin X in there, and yeah, love him. Air Force, sadly, ideas. Special tactics airmen lost over Gulf of Mexico. An airman lost over the Gulf of Mexico after falling out of a C-130 has been identified. Staff Sergeant Cole Condo, 29, was a tactical tactics combat controller with the 23rd Special Tactics Squadron, 24th Special Operation Ring, Air Force Special Operation Command, according to an announcement. A Dallas native, Condo was a member of the Church of G Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Among his qualifications, he was scuba, he was high speed. It didn't say how he fell out. That's just horrible. Then, to make matters worse... Infantryman dies in Bradley fighting vehicle mishap in South Carolina or South Korea.
vehicle rollover claimed the life of a U.S. soldier in South Korea on November 6th. Specialist Nicholas C. Pampito, 20, from Brandon, Florida, died from injuries sustained when the Bradley fighting vehicle he was in overturned. That's just a terrible fucking death. So, uh, God be with their families. And there's no good transition. But as we go into college crazy, here's two sound bites. Students can't name one war that was good. And they want to ban fossil fuels, but they don't want to give up their car. The people in power, Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, right, the Secretary of State, uh, 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 and uh, uh, Neil Gorsuch, right, the people in the Supreme Court, they believe that the rapture is coming. They don't care about the environment. They think that it should be destroyed. The Green New Deal... It's legit. AOC? When AOC and Bernie on the other side here, two sides of the same coin, they are um, supporting one another. Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib. Would you support a law that would make fossil fuels illegal? Yeah. Yes. Why would you support that? Because obviously fossil fuels are damaging our environment and it's such a big issue. Like, I want it gone. Oh, absolutely. We've got to get money out of politics. But I, I would support it if it came down to it. Uh, I would support a law, but I am just a citizen. So I would vote for Bernie Sanders to put that kind of law gonna... into action. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I really agree with that message and that motive. I think they should become illegal, but we need to have an actual way to phase them out. So I think the best solution is probably to, to go against fossil fuels. It would be in our best interest. I, I mean, I would, right? At the same time, right? Show me how that's actually possible in a system, right? Where every major production chain involves fossil fuels from the from the top to the bottom, right? If you guys like I would support a law, but I don't know if anything that I can do personally would be that I would try my best, but I don't know if we would get to a point where they would make a law. Would you commit to giving up your car or cell phone in order to combat climate change? Yes. What do you think? Sure. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, I think once it was in my own hands, yes, I would. Would you commit to giving up your car or cell phone to combat climate change? In a heartbeat, right? At the same time, right? The problem is the system of capitalism, right? It's capitalism and imperialism. And we fundamentally, we need a revolution in order to actually stop the destruction of the planet. I don't know if I'm that radical, but... Uh... Uh, I'm willing to give up other things. Yeah, I'll give up both up. Sure. Thank you. You want my? Thank you. I'm a little bit more. What about you? you know, we got one car for the whole family right now, so we need it, but the phone could go. This is Eduardo Nuret with Campus Reform. Today we're at Howard University. With Veterans Day coming up and reflecting on the wars that the U.S. has fought in, we wanted to ask students do they think that there is a war that the U.S. has fought in that is a just war? Let's find out. So with Veterans Day coming up, can you think of a war that the U.S. has fought in that to you would be a justifiable war, a just war? No, none at all. Can you think of one? Um, um I don't really know. What war has the U.S. fought in that has been a just war, a war that could be justified? Uh, I feel as though there aren't any justifiable wars that we've entered. The only one that I can like reasonably like justify in my head is the Civil War. Do any come to mind to you? A just war? Yeah. Um, no, not really. I don't think any, especially with like what happened with Vietnam. I think that was just not messed up and stuff. So only justified war, only one. Civil war? Yes. Yeah, I just don't think wars are justifiable. 
I guess I'm more anti-war, so, like, the least amount of killing as possible is better, in my opinion. I think there are other ways to solve problems than to fight about them. Um, I cannot think of a single war the American has been a part of that has been justified. What do you think about World War II? Do you think World War II was a just war? World War II, they, there were good reasons behind why they fought it, but in the reality, they weren't the reasons why, because if they were, we would have been in the fight much earlier. So I don't believe that America fought that war for the just reason of against Nazis. Do you think World War II was a just war? Well, I would be lying if I said I was an expert, but all the ins and outs of World War II, like the, I know the Iran-Contra scandal came directly after World War II, and then there was just a bunch of shady stuff, let me censor myself, going on in World War II, so I can't say that I would justify it. I don't think it was necessary. That's what, yeah, no. Nah. What about World War II, though? You know, fighting the Nazis, do you think that was justified? Um, yes, no, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Do you guys think World War II was a just war? Right, I definitely think so. World War II as well. It was like Pearl Harbor. I know a lot of people die with that, um, them blowing up the ships and everything. It's a good cause for the greater good because at the end of the day we got our freedom and we are no longer under Great Britain. So on World War II, would you say just war or unjust war? Unjust. 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 Just made stuff messier. Yeah. One could argue, though, that we saved the world. We saved the world from Hitler, from Nazis, from... Agree or disagree? Mm. there's always going to be those people <laughs> i don't know how i feel about that <laughs> i mean maybe a little bit world war ii probably more the civil war okay just because of like slavery but that's literally the only reason why i think that started with someone dying like ferdinand dying or something like that uh, that was world war one so world war ii was hitler and the nazis and all that um i'm not just a the united states trying to be a, a worldwide humanitarian trying to make sure i guess everyone's fair so Somewhere, I couldn't really answer that without looking at the entire picture. I don't know the entire picture. World War II, uh, the Civil War, those don't speak to mind to you so much? All the wars that we've had, the United States didn't really have a justifiable reason to enter into them. What about when we're attacked? So when the U.S. was attacked in Pearl Harbor for World War II, we had to respond to Japan. The United States was attacked in the Twin Towers, so some people said, well, we have to respond somehow. Do you think the U.S. getting attacked maybe changes our reasons? Our just Do you think that adds justification to enter into a conflict? Um, that adds a reason to enter, but justification is not there. God, these kids are clueless. Bray Hume starts us off as an alumnus. I'm embarrassed. What panty waste. UVA next 21 gun salute from Veterans Day ceremony. <laughs> it acts as traditional Veterans Day gun salute this year, citing concerns of potential panic caused to students by gunfire on campus. I'm not reading anymore. That just sums up. It just sums up. We got people fighting in wars for their freedom to come up with new pronouns. But a 21 gun salute. Oh, can't have that. We got a jazz hand. Got it. Berkeley instructor. Rural Americans are bad people. There you go. A man who identifies himself as an instructor at the University of California, Berkeley, publicly proclaimed Wednesday that Americans who live in rural areas are bad people who deserve uncomfortable lives. Jason Kernian, who described himself as a graduate student instructor at Berkeley, having taught at least 11 philosophy courses at the university since 2013, took to Twitter Wednesday to explain the academic reasoning behind his distaste for people from rural America, calling those who live in rural areas bad people who have made bad life decisions. 
Kernian began the thread by advocating against affordable health care solutions in rural America, saying that rural health care should be expensive, and that expense should be borne by those who choose rural lifestyles. He argued that promoting a need for affordable rural health care is equivalent to arguing for rural Americans to be subsidized by those who choose a more efficient way of life. Same goes for rural broadband and gas taxes. It should be uncomfortable to live in rural America. It should be uncomfortable to not move, he wrote. Kernan tries to justify his statements with economic arguments about not making rural life artificially cheaper, but quickly develops into a personal attack against rural and not pro-city Americans. I unironically embrace the bashing of rural Americans. They, as a group, are bad people have made bad life decisions. Some, I assume, are good people, but this nostalgia for some imagined pastoral way of life is stupid, and we should shame people who are aren't pro-city. He deleted his tweet, of course. After receiving backlash for his comments, Kearney issued a pseudo-apology. Pretty sure I did a bad tweet here. Gonna delete it, he wrote. I'll want to reflect on it more later, but my tone is way crasser and meaner than I think I think I am. And that's why the show is called Flyover Politic Podcast. With the K, because some asshole still owns Flyover Politics, and they only did 10 shows. In 2016, and then went off the air. Yeah. This is how they think. You don't live like them, you're bad. See? Just proves my point. University abortion course taught by woman identified as PP employee. What's worse, she was caught on the Project Veritas selling fetal, fetal tissue. Yeah. But that's who's teaching abortion classes. Really? While this was going on, Planned Parenthood. I don't need. I don't know who needs to hear this, but virginity is a made-up social construct, and it has absolutely nothing to do with your hymen. A virgin who someone never had sex, but sex means different things to different people, so virginity does too. Many don't care what it means or think it matter. Whatever you believe, the fact is you can't tell if someone had sex by checking their hymen. The hymen is a thin, fleshy tissue that located the opening of your vagina. Like other parts of your body, hymen's a little different for everyone. Many people think the hymen totally covers the opening of your vagina until it's stretched open. But that's not usually the case. Most hymens naturally have a hole big enough for period blood to come out and for you to use tampons comfortably. Some people just naturally have hymens that are more open and many other activities besides sex can stretch your hymen. Like riding a bike, doing sports, or putting something in your vagina like a tampon or finger. Once your hymen is stretched open, it can grow back. Some people think you could tell if someone had sex before if their hymen is stretched open, but that's not the case. Say it with us, with hand smacking. You can't tell if someone had sex by the way their hymen looks or feels. I am so glad we give them $550 million a year. Because now a hymen ruptured, which it can happen from other things is a social construct. Everything they don't agree with is a social construct. But I'm telling you, all your bullshit is becoming a social construct. You're just making it up. Like our next story. Women's college now only requires applicants to identify as women. Yeah. In an effort to keep up with the evolving understanding of gender, Virginia Women's College will no longer require its applicants to be biological female, but rather only to identify as women. Individuals already at the school currently identify as women, but who transition to live as men will be allowed to say 
stay, which makes no sense because now they're men. They identify as men, so why can they stay? Until this month, Holland's University allowed students to identify as male, but those who chose to solidify the identity with hormones or surgery required to leave. Now we're not doing that because we want to keep up with the PC bullshit. Nice. Yeah, so nice. So let's go straight on in to our gay shit. Hey, hey, hey. Little pump in the cut. Hey, gang shit, 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 gang shit. We start with a great article that pretty much sums up everything I say on the show. Just 29% of Americans support allowing biological males on girls' sports teams. A Democrat bill would require it. A poll shows that less than a third of Americans say biological males identify as transgender should be allowed to compete on girls' sports teams, but a Democrat bill would mandate practice in public schools. Majority of Americans, 51%, oppose allowing biological male athletes who identify as transgenders onto girls' sports teams, according to a Rasmussen survey, survey released Friday. 57% of black Americans, a key voting Democrat for the Democrats, told Rasmussen they oppose this transgender bullshit. Just 29% of Americans said they favor it, and 20% said they aren't sure because they're scared to answer the goddamn question. Despite the unpopularity of allowing male athletes into girls' sports, legislation sponsored by every Democrat presidential frontrunner will require schools to do it. The Equity Act, which passed the House with unanimous Democrat support in May, would amend the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to make gender identity a protected characteristic under federal law. Fucking morons. But nothing is enough. Remember, 0.07% of America's transgender, 4.5% is fucking gay. That comes from the 5.2% of this country. The 29% comes from the jackasses. So you take off 5.2% and you're looking at 24% of Americans caught up in this stupid bullshit. And I say bullshit loosely because I don't want to fucking offend bulls. But glad... Knowing those stats, make 20% of TV characters gay by 2025. Congratulations to GLAAD, a group that claims to speak for 4% of the population, has already reached its 2020 goal of bullying Hollywood into the overrepresented gay on TV. In fact, according to an organization, Where We Are on TV Report, gay characters are on an all-time high. That group boasts 10%. LGBTQ, EIEIO inclusion amongst broadcast series regular characters on primetime scripted series. With all LGBT series regulars comprising 10.2% of network characters. That's why I'm always saying there's more gay people on TV than in real life. Well done. Now about, how about taking a breather? Bask in the accomplishment for a minute. Nope. Variety reported that GLAD's annual TV report panel discussed pushing the ball forward. Way forward, as far as LGBTQEIEIO representation on the small screen. GLAD members are now urging the TV industry to increase the gay representation to 20% by 2025, adding that one of the best ways to foster a more on-screen inclusion is by creating more off-screen inclusion as well. 911 Lone Star actor Brian Michael Smith, who's also trans, 
Oh, fuck me, I wanted to watch that show. Comment on the group's success. I've been seeing a lot more nuance in storytelling, especially around the trans and transmasculine characters. I've always I've been able to see on TV variety report they claim this was due to having queer people right in the room. Yeah, all that shit. Gay, Grey's Anatomy, nine one one. It's all written by gay people. Well, yes, that's the only way to get twenty percent by twenty twenty five. Despite the narrative of victimization and lack of representation for sexual minorities in society, LGBTQ folks are sitting quite pretty on screen. Again, there's no dearth of LGBTQ representation, but an overabundance. Just 4% of America's population is LGBTQ, even report, reports, some reports are less. But they've long been overrepresented in lefty Hollywood. Make-believe numbers of real-life implications, though. A 2011 Gallup poll reported that Americans were convinced that gays made up 25%. And we reported that earlier. Is the inflated perception any wonder to glad on track to quintuple the actual population on screen? And what if Hollywood makes 20% of the fictional characters gay? We'll start presuming every other person's LGBT. And if we start questioning that, they'll still be insisting that we're opposing their exposure and hindering their freedom of expression. And they're fucking spot on. But everybody's buckling to this mafia. Here's a gay car commercial. you gotta do I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now Backbeat the word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out I'm sure you've heard it all before, but you never really had a doubt. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. I'll never throw it back to you Said maybe You're gonna be the one that saves me And after It is 2019, which means that all childhood innocent must be sexualized, weaponized for the LGBT movement. Introduce the 
Introducing the latest entry, Slow Burn of Western Civilization, a viral car commercial. The new ad for Renault's Clio in the UK, released November 7th, entitled 30 Years in the Making, begins with a sweet childhood friendship between two girls. The friendship becomes more intimate as the girls grow up. The child children give each other mixtapes, run along a beach and hug. Their girlish hug transitions to more romantic, and then they're full-fledged fucking lesbians. Go buy our car. Okay. By that car. Queens drag Christians as planned parenthood effigy auction. Are you comfortable with the mentally disturbed men hanging around the kids section of the local library? How do you stand on dudes with five o'clock shadows dressed in lingerie reading to five year olds? If you're a Spokane, Washington resident, you better be okay with it or you'll have a religious extremist or you'll be labeled a religious extremist and just may find yourself sold in effigy at a slave auction to benefit America's largest abortion mill. A group called Spokane United Against Religious Extremism doesn't take kindly to people speaking out against the new sacrosanct civic ritual known as Drag Queen Story Hour. In a drag bar fundraising event to benefit Planned Parenthood, drag queen performers mocked pro-life activists and local Christian pastor by auctioning off cardboard cutouts of their faces, mimicking a slave-style auction. The cutouts represented the faces of at least six Christian activists and a pastor, including Pastor Ken Peters and Ashvin Yagatin, and the founder of 500 Mom Strongs, Anna Bohawk. It was a surprise game that nicely complemented the evening's other entertainment, a sexually explicit drag show featuring Tyranny Hex, the drag queen who read to children in a local Spokane library. Just who are those Christian bigots so deserving of this hate from the marginalized heroes of gender confusion? What kind of reprehensible taxes did they employ to destroy women's rights? Activist mommy. They pray and protest Planned Parenthood for their exploitive practices against women and children. These Christians demonstrate against drag queen story hours sexually exploiting and grooming children. They're successfully exposing and calling attention to Planned Parenthood and American Library Association, active attempts to expose children to deviant sexual practices and dangerous gender ideology. These Christians are risking everything to protect children from abortion and vulnerable women from being exploited. Bohack told CBN that the groups displayed hatred towards Christianity and has harassed her and her family. Silly Christians. It's not hate if it comes from the left. It's true. Because nothing is enough. We reported this a couple months ago. I want to say I said it wouldn't be good enough, and it wasn't. Gender-neutral Barbie dolls not woke enough for the left. After Barbie maker Mattel introduces gender-neutral Barbie abomination in September, some lefties have voiced their displeasure, saying the new toy line is too playful and not woke enough. Truly a time is coming when Play-Doh will be the only acceptable toy on the market. Nope, the colors will be wrong. They'll be gender, gendered colors. Alex Myers, the trans writer of Slate Op-Ed, who should probably make a career switch from journalist to woke toy company quality control specialist, didn't really approve of Mattel's latest foray into woke capitalism. Meyer, deeply skeptical of the business decision, slamming the toy, saying, on a basic level, the doll falls far short of actual embodying or even representing a non-binary identity. Yeah, because you can't make up what that is. That's why. 
But then again, how does one represent mental illness in a plastic doll, this article says. First, Meyer pointed out that calling the new doll general neutral is not all relevant to LGBTQ community, he wrote. Gender neutral, the term Mattel uses in marketing of the doll, is not in fact a term that many, if any, people use to describe themselves. Some on Mattel, if you're going to pander, do it right. Myers added that trans people really use gender fluid or gender queer or non-binary or a million other fucking things. If you can't even get the moniker right, how bad are the doll's appearance going to be? Well, pretty bad. There was some major hearsay regarding the doll's physical appearance, namely the fact that dolls feature no discernible genitalia or gender-specific anatomy. They never have except for boobs. But isn't that the whole point? Isn't that that how non-binary folks would have it? Wrong. Myers slammed the dolls for ignoring sexual anatomy altogether. Oh my gosh. Well, when you tango with the Wokies, there's no winning. Myers wrote, The bodily bank blankness erases so much of what the discussion, personal and political, about gender focuses on. Sure, the argument is that these dolls depict a sterile version of the very real and distinct bodies that trans people still have. Even though they refuse to adhere to sexual norms, a trans woman still has very real penis, and some trans men have scars where their breasts used to be. Where is the realism, Mattel? Neither Barbie or Ken, who's archaic gender binary conforming fascist playthings have little plastic bits either. Back in the day, kids understood what was supposed to be down there. Poor Mattel just isn't confused enough to do the woke right. Myers added, these dolls do not have bodies that are like ours. These dolls do not have bodies that society reads in a gendered way at all. That sort of misses the entire point. Come on, guys. You know the female-looking doll with the purple hair shouldn't come packaged with a removable penis? Right. It's also sh- it should come packaged. <laughs> Right, it should have been holding a law school diploma, wearing an astronaut helmet, and sporting gold medal for victory over a women's swim team. What? He was taking women's hormones? All right. Never good enough. But it all comes from the media and liberals. Here is Elizabeth Warren. Thank you, black women X and 4. Black, trans, and cis women, gender nonconforming and non-binary people are the backbone of our democracy, and I don't think I don't take this endorsement lightly. I'm committed to fighting alongside you with the big structural changes our country needs. Black trans women are the backbone of our country. I kind of thought it was our armed services. Maybe that's just me. SB Nation writer urges Major League Baseball. Wait for it. To include LGBT exhibit in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's a thing now. There's no LGBT wing in the National Baseball Hall of Fame, not yet anyway, but don't hold your breath. An LGBT advocate is targeting yet another culture institution to infiltrate. Baseball's Hall of Fame at Cooperstown, claiming Ted Williams and Yogi Berra were flaming... Not yet. But SB Nation Outsports writer Ken Schultz is saying the Hall of Fame should add an exhibit to spotlight LGBTQ figures of baseball past and present. It's time for the Hall of Fame to add an exhibit spotlighting LGBT figures in baseball. An exhibit recognizing LGBTQ history in the game would become the most prominent sign of acceptance at the sport's very highest level. It would signal that baseball is a sport and MLB is an organization welcome and honor the role of the community in the game. Such a symbol of institutional acceptance would be another step on the path that eventually leads to an active baseball player feeling comfortable enough to publicly come out. 
I'm not reading anymore. He just pisses me off. And in the indoctrination section, non-binary Netflix kids cartoon, even villains don't misgender. This season, Netflix announced with fanfare that it rebooted the classic She-Ra, and we already talked about it. In season four, She-Ra released November 5th, the non-binary character, Double Trouble is really just a shapeshifter, blah, 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 memo till, okay, and then it goes on to say that they, they say that in the show, and I don't really want to cover it anymore, I just really fucking don't want to cover it. To other crazy outrage, uh, Amazon slammed for promoting children's t-shirt reading daddy's little slut but you can't sell american flags huh or weapons ones or anything else on thursday amazon was slammed for promoting a t-shirt said daddy's little slut another t-shirt was removed from amazon's site reported on friday amazon still offered other clothing items for babies and toddlers with the same phrase the t-shirts were sold by Only Baby Care for $18 a peach, according to the Independent. The Independent added the product description read that the top was suitable for various occasions, including playing outside, birthday party, the whole night. It was a unisex for boys and girls. What the fuck is wrong with people? Disney Plus cut song deemed problematic from live-action Lady and the Tramp. Oh, let's dig into this. Amidst technical troubles because it crashed, including the release of a live-action version of the beloved canine classic Lady and the Tramp. But it wasn't a glitch that left a song out of the movie. It was political correctness. The music in question, maybe a better name would be Disney for subtracting songs, was Siamese Cat Song from 1955 original, where troublemaking twin cats sing about being from Siam, modern-day Thailand. You may remember the jingle, We Are Siamese, if you please. Decider was all over it, declaring the song to be problematic and reductive of the Asian culture. Explaining the Siamese Cat Song as a racist character of what white people thought of Asian people at the time. Their names are racist, C and AM. Their design is racist, those teeth. Their voices are racist, that broken English accent. And the music is racist, that song. Their role in the plot is also racist, the Asian, sick, absolutely trash lady's home and frame her for the whole thing. They're outright villains. Read them between the lines here. I'm thinking they're calling the scene racist. But have no fear, Disney has righted the wrongs of its original by introducing a new song in place that could not be accused of cultural appropriation, according to Decider. Instead of having a gong-filled, vaguely Asian sound, what a shame is an upbeat, ragtime-influenced blues number similar to what was popular with audience in the early 1900s. Blah, 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 I am sure eventually somebody will say, yep, yep, that is appropriating black culture. Because it was ragtime. Here's some more TV stupid. A morning show, a teen abortion is inspiring. An empire proudly denounces church and Christian values. Next, we have an inspiring story coming out of Mississippi, where high school girls are walking out of class today to show their support for Bradley Jackson, the new co-anchor of The Morning Show, after the governor tried to reintroduce legislation that would ban abortions after six weeks. This action comes after a controversial comment he made earlier this week, calling The Morning Show's Bradley Jackson a dangerous threat to America. Mississippi already has some of the nation's strictest abortion laws, and in southern parts of the state, the walkouts have lasted nearly six hours. 
which represents how long it would take a student to drive to the state's only remaining abortion clinic. This footage is remarkable. The power of social media on display. Not to mention Bradley Jackson. Her comment has lit a fire under the abortion debate nationwide. And the governor's attempt to use Jackson as a lightning rod to push his agenda appears to have backfired. I agree. I'd also argue that these walkouts go beyond just the abortion bill. They're happening because people heard Bradley's story and thought, that could be me, and I want to make my own choice about my future like she did. Tell me what you're mad for, why you gotta be so particular, why you care about what I think? You might need a drink, cause you upset, and I'm out here living my life with no regrets. Reason number one, I ain't trying to be told I'm supposed to feel like you. I'm gonna live the way I want, cause it's my life. You can say what you want and lose my focus. Oh, looks good. I know. My sister act too. I'll make you mad and no Did you know about this? No, I'm just that surprised. You are. Even though I really love that she had the stones to pull it off. Oh, my God. Wait. So do her fans. She is trending like crazy. But in a good way. They think that she is denouncing the church and its Christian values. Does this mean that Tiana's back? God, I hate the fucking media. Apple Card faces scrutiny following allegations of gender bias. You're never woken up. When Apple isn't woke enough, it says it all. Apple Credit Card is under scrutiny after Apple CEO founder Steve Wozniak, or whatever the fuck his name, and tech operator David Heinemeyer Hansen alleged that the card's algorithm discriminated against their wives on credit limits. Goldman Sachs Bank, which issued the car, released a statement saying, well, we didn't mean to, but we'll make sure we give them free money. That sounds good. Christy Blaker, wholeheartedly disagree. Highly doubt he could throw me over his shoulder when needed or defend me better than I can. I'm just going to abbreviate that. She said this because people's sexiest man alive is John Legend. After she said that, she got mugged by the black mafia, the gay mafia, and all the lefty mafias. She's an Air Force combat vet. They knew that. But they went after her because she dare say something about a black person that hates Trump. Now, if it was somebody who liked Trump, well, we wouldn't have this outrage, but yeah. Fight for 15 is the next stupid thing. Just get a second job. You all think the world owes you something. Hashtag boomer advice. And I'm going to tell you right now, that is huge for lefties. My daughter is even doing it. Boomer. I don't need your boomer advice. The problem is every time they say that, they're saying it about people my age. And we're not boomers, you fucking morons. If you want to come with a old people are stupid fucking line, at least get 
and right. How about Gen Xers? Boomers are your fucking great are your grandparents, idiots. Not people that you're dealing with. Tom Elliott brings us to our next stupid Naomi A. Klein at Bernie Rally on Global Warning. We are now seeing fascists and neo-fascists cast the global ecological crisis as some kind of divine correction, a way of cleansing the world of lesser humans. Followed up by AOC, fight climate change by combating white supremacy, clothing everyone, educating everyone, paying everyone a living wage, and let's get a chicken in every pot. Yes. These strong men turn their populations against each other. That frees them up for the real business at hand, which is pillaging the last remaining protected wildernesses on this planet from the Amazon to the Arctic. That's what they want to do. That's what they're about. And that, of course, fuels those planetary fires, right? When they deforest the Amazon and warm the planet and that fuels the droughts and the superstorms and the floods the fires that force millions to flee their arid lands the fires that intensify armed conflicts which also fuels migration displacement which is then used as fuel for those fires of hate we are in a cycle now do you see this it fuels the arguments for further militarizing borders and incarcerating migrants and tearing children from their parents. And it's even more frightening than that because we are now seeing fascist and neo-fascist political figures in Europe, but it's seeping into North America as well, drop the charade of climate change denial and instead cast the global ecological crisis as some kind of divine corrective, a way of cleansing the world of lesser humans. We cannot win this fight without battling white supremacy. The battle for... Preserve our systems is by transitioning to principles of universality. That means I want you clothed, I want you educated, I want you paid a living wage, no ifs, ands, or buts. And what that also means, and what Naomi talked about as well, is directly, consciously, combating white supremacy in the United States of America. Because I, for the life of me, cannot understand why we are panicked about why we get so panicked about terrorist activity all over the world and we don't seem to recognize it in our own backyard. And I, I want to talk about this a little bit because when we first introduced the Green New Deal, we talk about frontline communities. We talk about bringing it straight to communities that were left behind, rural communities, poor communities, Flint, the South Bronx, Baltimore. 
we talk about putting these communities first and one of the first things that we heard from folks is just worry about the solar panels leave the social justice stuff behind always and it's funny how that's always the case we're always telling people you know and 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 the the somehow the big consultants are always telling you you know race makes everything complicated or talking about poverty makes everything complicated it was almost a a taboo word to talk about poverty in washington dc the reason for that and i want to tell you a little story is uh, one of the things that we know too is all none of these policies are are that new we have done this before we have done this before once again, for people that are new to the show, I, I believe there is climate change. But I don't believe the push for all this 12 years we're going to die and all the craziness has anything to do with the climate. It has everything to do with socialism and po- politics for the left. The intersectionality, everything. We've proven on the show that was their plan to get it all linked to black people. The only people, people minorities are the only people suffering from climate change because white people make it, make them live in shitty areas or are creating all the fucking climate disaster. Black people don't drive cars and they don't fucking have electricity and they don't do bad things, which is racist as fuck that they say that, but they say it and get away with it. And if you listen to these people saying it's white supremacy and all this shit, how do you take it serious? Global cooling warming change. You've changed your name three times, and now you're in version 5.0, which is we are going to overthrow every government, take control, censor your speech, thoughts, and everything, garner your wages. I mean, the plans that are coming up were basically every billionaire would no longer be a billionaire. They'd take everybody's money. Knowing that even if you took all the rich people's money, it's not enough to finance their shit. So you in the middle class, just suck it up, buttercup. We're going to take your money, too. But to make matters worse, you're all fucking hypocrites. CNN, teen climate activist Greta Thunberg is getting a huge mural in downtown San Francisco. Replies, is that aerosol spray paint? Are you a climate change activist? Mural in downtown SF depicts Swedish teen climate activists guessing the spray paint and the aerosol cans emit the volcanic organic compounds. Genius. Just pure genius. And to prove it's even more political, Robert Redford calls for reversal of climate change damage caused by Trump. We shouldn't even be facing this horrible reality. I only wish it was enough. I'm not sure my proposal will work, the liberal activist started, but I know without question that we will all suffer if we don't try to get him impeached. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, of course, they attack Democrats because they need this climate change shit because they're throwing all the other shit in it. It's not about climate change, once again. It's about all their shit, and they're pissed off about Google and Facebook. The Ledge has been pressuring big tech companies to change their ad policies in preparation for 2020 election. The Wall Street Journal reported that Google is considering following the footsteps of Twitter when it comes to changing what can be an ad. And, of course, their push is, well, this isn't fair. We still need to do climate change, da-da-da-da-da, but that's political. And the problem is, you made it that way. If it was just about climate change, well, you could do your ads. But all your PACs, all your supporters, all your donors, Steyer, all these guys, 
It's not about saving the fucking polar bears, jackass. It's about getting Democrats in Congress. That's what it's about. Intersectionality bites both ways, dipheads. And then you got this shit from time now. How asthma inhalers are choking the planet. There you go. Full circle. CNN started. Everybody's doing it now. New York Times went even more evil. Cave takes sides of climate cult extinction rebellum. Disrupting Ordinary Life. New York Times Australia Bureau Chief Damien Cave joined with Livia Albert Ripka to defend the disruptive activists who make up the Extinction Rebellion climate cult. <clears throat> the piece with a long title, Why is Australia Trying to Shut Down Climate Activism? An increasingly outraged public is demanding action and nation ultimately linked to coal mining. The government has responded by threatening a new law to punish protesters. Prime Minister Scott Morrison has responded with a threat that alarms scientists and free speech advocates, urging the government to outlaw indulgent and selfish efforts by environmental groups to rattle businesses with rallies and boycotts. Australia's climate wars, once confined to election campaigns, are now spilling in the street with some of the biggest protests the country's ever seen. Increasingly outraged public is demanding action with the conservative national government refusing to budge, relying on the police to squelch the dissent. Scientists strongly disagree that coal is safe, warning that the world stands little chance of averting the most dire effects of climate change without ending its reliance on burning coal for energy. But Australia's emotional historical connection to it and continues to shape its politics. As the climate conflict intensifies, activists and their opponents are fighting hard to win over public opinion, often with mixed conceptions using a maximized alarm like, we're going to all die in 12 years. No, they didn't say that. No. Once again, protesting is not vandalizing. Protesting is not interrupting the flow of commerce, you jackasses. But there was a positive that came out. We have everybody doing the ultimate burger and the meatless burger and Burger King's doing it so people won't protest their shit since they probably produce a quarter of all cow farts that are killing our planet. Air Protein just created meat Made from air. Yeah, I didn't make this up. Yep, you read it first. First there was meat made of plants. Now there's meat made of air. A Bay Area company has upended the meatless meat industry with a new mind-bogglingly, seriously, I'm perplexed category of meatless meat, air-based meat. Air Protein Today announced the launch of an air-based meat substitute that can be used to make burgers, chicken, turkey, or virtually any meat product you want it to be. You can even use this air-based product to make protein-enriched pastas, cereals, and beverage. Beverages. The product itself looks like a protein powder but consists only of elements found in the air, specifically carbon dioxide, oxygen, and nitrogen, which are then blended with water and mineral nutrients to create a base. Using renewable energy and probiotic production process fermentation, air protein converts the elements into an edible product with an amino acid profile similar to that of real meat. It contains all nine essential amino acids, so it's a complete protein. But, but, it still uses carbon dickheads. Singer and Jenny, good luck, San Francisco. Your new DA has explicitly stated crimes such as public camping, offering or soliciting sex, public urination, blocking a sidewalk, etc. should not and will not be prosecuted. 
a response. San Francisco is tough on real crimes like owning property or having income. Yeah, that that's great. On the Walk of Fame, I had it later in the show. Let me see. Homeless man hurls bucket of diarrhea at women near Hollywood Walk of Fame. A homeless man dumped a bucket of hot diarrhea on a Los Angeles woman near the Hollywood Walk of Fame, an unprovoked attack that left her with PTSD. Heidi Van Tessel said she was about to drive home from Thai restaurant near the famed tourist area in April when the alleged assailant, Jer Blessings, dragged her out of her vehicle. He pulled her in the middle of the street where he dumped a bucket of feces over her. It was diarrhea. I was soaked and it was coming off my eyelashes into my eyes. Referring to the amount of feces used in the attack, paramedics who treated her said it looked like the man was saving it up for a month. She was tested for all sorts of diseases. But what the fuck, Chuck? Now, in Denver... Hey, big sis! We have a joke where she sends me southern stories because I say it's all about the south and people dog the south. Denver finds businesses for refusing to pick up homeless people poop. The city of Denver is targeting a business owners with fines for refusing to clean up feces from homeless people who defecate in front of their business on a nearly daily basis. When Jawan Bazir, CEO of an internet service provider in Colorado, described downtown Denver, it sounds like San Francisco. The city says it's turning into a bathroom stall filled with crime, feces, and used syringes from drug addicts. The wall in a bathroom stall, they lean up against it and let it rip, he said. In downtown Denver, that's non-stop now, just piles of poop. There's food, trash, drugs, deals. In the alley, we get defecation and drug needles. Tamara Chapman, a financial controller with the company, told KDVR that she'd been chased and attacked by violent criminals. I've been chased with two-by-four, a knife, a pipe, a man bashed in my windshield with a rock. Bazar says... They'd repeatedly call law enforcement, sometimes up to several times a day, to get some of these people off the business property, and now he's refusing to continue cleaning up their mess, citing the obvious safety concern. But it's a biohazard. It could be infectious. I didn't hire these people to clean poop off the ground. I can, as an employer, just say, go and clean the feces. I'm not the only one. I'm not the one doing this, and they won't do anything about the people committing the crime, but I'm the one who's easy to find and easy to punish. Bazar says the police rarely respond to calls. A spokesperson for Denver Public Health Department had issued multiple warnings to Bazar before they started finding him. Bazar told CBS Denver that he's going to take the city of Denver to court. The city's not going to enforce laws against trespassing or camping or public defecation and just make me bear the cost of these problems. That's just not right. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. The government's primary job is public safety. I think it's a lot of politicians don't want to be seen as anti-homeless or heartless. Denver's been moving further and further to the political left in recent years, including 2017 with Democrats fought against Trump and immigration customs enforcement by lessening penalties for certain crimes. It is out of control. You're just getting straight up fucking nasty. Mm. But while we're going through all this, Wired, this is actually an op-ed. I'm not going to read it because I'm over time. Science at its core is systematically racist and sexist. How do we bring equality to data ownership and usage? Computation biologist, that's a made-up job, Laura Boykin says scientists are asleep at the wheel. 
Activist Makia Deval Cyril, if you got a hyphen name, you're a douchebag, says citizens also need to pressure technology companies to change. Science at its core is systematically racist and sexist. So now science is racist. Hmm. Well, if we're so racist, why is this happening? Kaepernick forcing his way back in the NFL. Lee grants him a private workout and will send the videos to all teams. I went off on this on Twitter and said, well, if that's the case, then there goes this whole everybody's racist shit. And let's be honest, home skillet should just stick to that. He's made more woman or more money labeling things racist than he ever did it as a quarterback. He's more successful. He's more wide known being a fucking protester. He's kind of like John Kerry. Kerry wasn't a hero. He was a protester. But yeah, Kaepernick, forcing teams. Somebody will have to, I promise you, get him up as a backup. He'll kneel and he'll label more things racist. Because science is racist now. I don't know where the fuck we go. What can be next? To our crazy crime, let's close this bitch out. Reckless driver told cops he was racing home after cheating on his wife. Jesus. What an idiot. Woman's eye burst after using her mobile phone too much. It literally hemorrhaged. There's pictures. It's fucking crazy. Which takes us to our lighter fare. I talk about the Ducks with the playoffs and stuff, but I don't want to curse it. They still got to play Arizona, Arizona State, and the Beavers, which doesn't matter. When we were 12-0, and 0, we barely beat the motherfuckers and went to the national championship. And then we got to beat Utah. So I'm not getting into the whole thing. But I will talk about my Packers, because I did get to see the game on a replay. Lambeau Field with snow, football game, goal line stand. That's everything. That's football. Well, last week, what'd you say? You guys got a piece of eye? What the heck do you have to say about this one? Conditions, everything. Winter yeah. in Green Bay. Yeah. Trying to make this place the tough place to come. That's a good football team. I'm proud of our guys. We left some plays out there, especially in the... But our defense came up big with some stops. You know, Kyle played really well. They got to maybe see him down the line. Maybe give a little love to some right now, too. What a balanced attack. I know you mentioned that this week as well. Yeah, he played great. Such a steady player for us. He's been in a lot this year. It's fun having that who can do so many things for you. But, you know, we got to be very critical of ourselves. But it feels good to be 8-2 going into the bye. Hope you're warm for that bye, by the way. Take it. I like this. It's- you figure this is it. Ball inside the two. Hey, there's only four seconds left. Who knows if they're going to try to run it. Maybe they want to try to get a, a pass play here or there. Allen at the doorstep out of the shotgun. Two receivers left, two to the right. I feel like why not get the ball to your best guy on offense? Try to get him downhill. It's the last play of the game. They're going to pick their best football play. Here's the snap. Give to McCaffrey. He's hit. He drives forward to the goal line. The officials are marking no. He's not in. We knew from the time we hit him that he didn't get in. I guess they wanted to confirm it. I have not seen a clean look. To get a conclusive result is going to be very difficult in that wad of bodies. I mean, it's snow everywhere. I couldn't see the white line, so I didn't know I was just overlaying on the three. 
After reviewing the play, the ruler on the field stands. And ladies and gentlemen, there is your dagger. Wow, what a game. We just talked to him about emptying the tank. Give every play, leave nothing left out on that field. And I thought our guys did that tonight. It was a game of inches on Sunday. Thankfully, the Packers kept a few snow-covered inches between Christian McCaffrey and the end zone on the game's final play. A bounce-back performance for all three phases at Lambeau Field, but let's focus on the D. Coming in, we knew it was the Panthers that were at or near the top of the league in sacks and takeaways, but the Packers' defense was game. Three sacks for Green Bay, two from Preston Smith, a big fumble recovery early that led to seven points, and a huge pick in the end zone from Tremont Williams, plus two in the turnover department en route to victory number eight. These wins are tough to come by. That was a great team win right there. That was a great win and a great game. Eight and two going into the bye. Which takes us to This Is America. As for mentioned, CNN, countries divided because Republicans moved to the far right. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. We also have asymmetric polarization. Republicans have moved further right than Democrats moved left. And that Tea Party Congress was determined to be the most polarized ever, going all the way back to Reconstruction. Things have only gotten more polarized under President Trump. Became the second Republican in 16 years to win the White House despite losing the popular vote. Something that didn't happen once in the 20th century. We see increasingly bitter personal divides accompanied by a decline in trust in government, the media, and each other. We see our polarized Congress unable to summon the will to address common problems rooted in science like the climate crisis while ignoring obvious bipartisan compromises on immigration or infrastructure and failing to take action even when supermajorities support things like expanding background checks amid rising gun violence. So now we see a country facing its third impeachment inquiry since this period of polarization began, after only one other in our whole history before. So, no, none of this is normal. And healing these divides is going to take time. And we're going to need to remember some practical wisdom from President Eisenhower, who said, the middle of the road is all the usable surface. The extremes, right and left, are in the gutters. I I don't even know how to really articulate in a adult fashion, how far off base that is. I mean, you can't even recognize liberals anymore. They're not the same people. I mean, it used to be for rights, and, I, you know, I even respected some of their stuff, and, you know, hugging trees and all that. You know, I had a little tree hugging for the wolves and me. But what's a liberal now and what it used to be, it's just crazy. They hate. And it's not even grounded in reality anymore. I mean, back in the day, we've talked on the show, we had Christians were cheese graters on people. And there was a lot of moral high grounding and talking down to people. But now it's the opposite. 
You have become what you hate, but you took it to the next level. It is a cult. I used to say on the show, and I tried to stop because it's kind of disrespectful and it seems too Rush limbaugh but let's be honest. It is the religion of progressivism. And you're writing a New Testament every day with more pronouns and new, you know, science is racist. I mean, goddamn. You've taken racism, means nothing. Sexism, means nothing. Transphobia, means nothing now. Everything you're about is silencing all opposing views, be it media, internet, doesn't matter. And all you do is demonize your opposition, and your opposition is anybody who doesn't think like you. That's why it's extreme. Politics are politics. Part of the demonization is just how you get people to vote. It's human nature. You can't make your opposition look like a great person. Because it questions, why would I vote for you then? But it's it's evil. It's just a form of evil I can't even understand how a liberal can face themselves in the mirror now after the things they've said about feather, fellow Americans just because one election went wrong. That election went wrong because of you. That's why. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Fop Podcast, gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. Remember to check out the Facebook page at Fop Podcast and the Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed. Our next podcast is going to be, uh, let's go to the 19th of November, year of our Lord, 2019. Once again, I apologize, but I was just not feeling it, so I couldn't get to the podcast. Make sure you stay warm out there. It's still cold where I live. I'm sure it's cold where you live. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs and tune in next Tuesday for another show. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. I'm the sun and the air. the Thank you.